how he's lazy. He's lazy. He doesn't do it right. Adam Curry, John C. Dvorak. It's Sunday, April 21st, 2019. This is your award-winning Kimbo Nation Media Assassination, episode 1131. This is No Agenda. Contemplating a name for the new studio and broadcasting live from the frontier of Austin, Texas, capital of the drone star state. In the morning, everybody, I'm Adam Curry. And from northern Silicon Valley, where I made a very interesting observation about some train earlier today. I'm John C. Dvorak. It's Crackpot and Buzzkill in the morning. Well, I'm waiting for your interesting train observation. Well, okay, let's, let, let, this, I think this is Im- important. Ugh. So there's a train that goes from Seattle to, um, I guess, L.A. I'm not sure where it ends up, but it's, a, it's called the, it's the Coastal. And it's a big train. It's like the Zephyr, same kind of configuration, except... When I started watching this train, because it goes by on the way down south about anywhere between 7 a.m. and 9 a.m. So within a two-hour yeah. window. And when I first started seeing this train, which is a couple – we were paying attention to it, which was a couple of years ago. It had two observation cars, those semi-dome cars that are just – there's no – you just sit in there and you can see everything. It's a very nice car. Yeah. They have one on the Zephyr up in Sacramento. About – a year ago, the same exact train stopped having the two dome cars, and they just had the one. And it's always been one, and I realize what it is. <laughs> Nobody goes to the dome car to look and see the nice scenery that you could get from side. They're on their phones. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God! Woo! Listen to that horn! Yeah, I think you're right. <laughs> of course. Of course they yeah. are. So why are they going to waste the dome car? Nobody cares. No. In fact, when I was going up to Sacramento, I sat I sat most of the time in that car because it's kind of interesting to see what's out there, especially as the train goes in on some route that's not near the highways. And you find all kinds of homeless encampments. It's very entertaining. But no, the, tr- the car is never full. <laughs> Super entertaining. <laughs> well, it's entertaining to me. Well, happy Easter, Jean-Claude. Happy Easter to you. Happy Easter to everybody else. This is uh, your Easter sorry. program. Let's say so I'm sorry about the Sri Lankan uh, yeah. problem, yeah. the Easter celebrators there. Did anyone claim this yet? Do we know who's uh, who's claimed this uh, these atrocities? No, I haven't heard anyone claim anything. And the media, refu- they've, they've captured seven people. Ah. And the media refused to say who it is. Huh. I checked all the Canadian outlets. They refused to say who it is. Oh, the uh, Sri Lankan news won't say who it is. And our and the New York Times had an article. They won't say who it is, although they hinted it was Muslims. Oh, gosh. We're going through this now. Yeah. Is it, what a crappy thing to do. <laughs> I don't know. It was, it was churches and hotels? Yeah, there was uh, three churches and then a slew of hotels, uh, all high-end hotels where tourists tend to stay, rich tourists. Mm. Damn. Well, yeah, sorry about that. Um, Don't have much more for anyone on that. Uh, Coming to you from the new studio today, Jean. Yeah, you sound good. Yeah, it sounds pretty good. It's still booming. There's nothing on the walls. So um, just before we started, you told me, uh, you gave me a very handy pro tip. Which is to open the, open the door, <laughs> and it yeah. does it does help. It makes a difference. It does I was t- telling Adam how I uh, at, at a, I think it was a CES of, I don't know ten years ago when the digital amplifiers were first coming out, and and Texas Instrument was Instruments was making most of the chips for them, <clears throat> and they also bought this 
very high-end digital amp company. And so they took us into this room inside one of the suites in the hotel where they were going to give us a demo of the digital amplifier uh, technology using cheap speakers and then 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 uh, modeling expensive speakers on the cheap speakers oh, using, yeah, so using uh, a DSP. Yeah, yeah and doing fantastic. feedback and yeah. listening to yeah. and then tuning. And so the guy was, the guy, this engineer was tuning the room and he'd open, he to get this, he'd listen, and then he'd open the bathroom door. And I said, well, and I asked him about what he was doing. That's where he says it lessens the bass effect, moves some of the bass out of the room, and, and makes the room bigger. And then he started moving the cushions from the, uh, went into the bedroom of the suite and pulled off the, the mattress. Yeah. <laughs> and he leaned it over in some spot where he sensed there was a, some sort of a standing wave or something. Oh, I, I got to, I have, I have put studios together in so many hotel rooms where I've done just that with uh, pillows and, you know, against the wall. And I could probably do that here. Uh, it's just, yeah, it's, I'm not facing the wall. I'm facing, uh, my, my back is to the wall. So the, uh, it's literally bouncing off the wall. I can hear it. I know you can't, but I can hear it. So no, I'll, I'll, I'll have that fixed. Egg cartons. <laughs> egg cartons. It's not the prettiest look, egg cartons. I, I might go <laughs> yeah, for some foam. Cool. No, Get it's not cool. Ones. No. Get those big giant, giant square blue ones that it's hold 24 anything, eggs. It's anything but cool. No, that's not cool. I want, yeah, I, they look cool. You I, don't think so? Well, so here's the thing. I, I really want to, and I can't believe I said, so here's the thing. I have to stop that. This is... This is a this thing. is a lot of people are doing this in the media. So here's the thought. Pay attention to it. A lot of people are doing it. Um do I just I'm thinking of just going sparse with the egg cartons or some professional alternative or I could just hang all kinds of memorabilia shit on the wall. Which would also work. Yeah, I got uh you know, the commemorative uh, platinum records. I've got pictures. I've got tons of stuff. I, I just feel like I want to keep it. No, that's a bit much. I want to keep it completely sparse. And I'm a little tired of the MTV guy on the wall. I think you, you uh, in a room full of, with egg cartons on this, you know, stapled <laughs> up all over the place would be very cool looking. Even though you don't think so, I think it would be. So, Especially if there was those blue... 24 egg squares. Those are the ones you want. Well, that would help with a name for the studio. <laughs> we call it the chicken coop. The chicken coop. The curry yeah. The curry coop. Let me write this down. It's curry coop. Curry, I don't know, curry coop. Maybe just the chicken coop. Because that's what it would be. Hmm. Interesting. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm taking ideas. I'm open to ideas. Thick cork usually works too. <laughs> Okay, uh, so we moved Friday, which was, um, I am hurting. I, I don't know when the last time is that you moved house. Uh, yeah, I, exactly. I, I, I refuse to take part in such a thing. <laughs> yeah. uh, my, my core, you know, my, my midriff, my back, the soles of my feet, everything hurts. It's, it's, it's an undertaking every single time you do it. And I think this is the last time. Tina keeps saying, I'm dying in this house. It's like, well, easy, easy. We got to get married first. <laughs> I'm dying. Feet first. Feet first. I'm coming out of this place. Yeah, uh, we're we're really happy though. But oh man, and so and meanwhile, while all this is while the moving's going on, I'm also trying to read as much as I can of the Mueller report, volumes one and volume two. 
Now, all 13 hits. I'm sure you didn't take a look at it. I did. I took a look at it. Ah, what did you think? I have one, I have one of those PDFs that the guy... Yeah, the searchable PDF? He changed the PDF, so it's searchable. Yeah, searchable PDF. Yeah, I like I'm that. searching for this and that. I like that. Um, well, before we come into any conclusions, I do have a few... Uh, let me see. I got a few... I <clears throat> uh, see. This was kind of the... You know, volume one, which is the no collusion part, there's not much... Uh, discussion about that it's all about uh the conduct and the um what do you call it the uh possible obstruction of justice but this is what i'm hearing everyone say in the mainstream media based upon what they read in volume two here's chip todd one item worth noting before we go to break the Mueller report validates most not all but most of the reporting done by major news organizations throughout this investigation. Many, many of the stories we were told that were fake news show up as reported in the Mueller report yeah. and confirmed by firsthand accounts. It's something worth considering the next time you hear someone use the phrase fake news oh. so loosely. Okay, Chip Todd, we'll do that. That's MSNBC, here's CNN. And the other thing this report did is that it really corroborated a lot of the good journalism that was done. In this entire, you know, he went after all of us mm-hmm. every single day. The New York Times, Washington Post, CNN. And when you go back and you look at this report and you look, you're like, all right. these stories that were fake news. Well, mm-hmm. Mueller shows that this was actually going on. So they're all congratulating themselves over a job well done. Uh, and it is true. When you read volume two, it reads a lot like uh, many of the reports that were in the, in the M5M. Uh, about lying, uh, underhanded uh, behavior, um, uh, trying to uh, trying to uh, get Mueller fired, trying to have someone else do the dirty work. Actually, Trey Gowdy had an interesting comment on that. All right, so the fact that he was looking to supposedly fire Bob Mueller and later on get Jeff Sessions to essentially do the same thing, that n- neither happened. In the end, obviously, Mueller State completed his report. Some have likened to that to be obstructing justice or the process of justice. Obviously, it was a jump ball for Mueller and his team. What do you think of that? Um, I, I hope we have not gotten to the point where thinking about doing something as a crime in this country. I, I, I hope that's not where we are or discussing what your options are with your advisors. Well, the um, only thing that prevented the, the, that from happening, as you know, Congressman, is, is, is that uh, the, the aides didn't do it. Right. It, it, they didn't do it. Right. And he didn't fire the aide and go get a gate, an aide that would. So, so interesting. Calling it a thought crime. Yeah, well, that's the trend. And and from a legal standpoint, that may be may be correct. And you know, I've, I've read a lot of a lot of reports and documents in the eleven years we've been doing this program. And volume one was pretty lawyerly. There was lots of lawyer terms, even explanation of what collusion was in legal terms. But volume two, it didn't really have any legalese in it. It was. Uh, interviews with people uh, reports of what they said and if you read if i'd read that on wikileaks and you just replaced uh, donald trump with hillary clinton i would have been ah, yeah what a what a horrible person but the difference between anything we've ever read about for example hillary clinton and this volume two is 
It's just what people said. There's no emails. There's no paper trail. That's a, I think Trump is saving grace is that he doesn't use email. So it's one thing to have uh, his lawyer or the White House attorney, Don McGahn, say, well, yeah, it's all he, hearsay. Yeah, he uh, he wanted me to he wanted me to go fire Mueller. Or the first words out of his mouth were, "Oh my God, there goes my presidency. I'm fucked." And it looks, in, you know, it was, did he say it like that, or did he say, "Oh, this goes my presidency. I'm fucked." Or you know, did he yell it? I mean, there's that's hard to to understand. You can't say, no, yeah, you, you can't really it's all do hearsay. that. Um, we so, watched enough Law and Order, all the public. Over the years. Well, and that's, to know that it's yes. inadmissible. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, there's just not ev- there's not evidence in there. This it's it's what people said, and that's a that's a big difference. Uh, there's, there's a couple other things the president does. You know, he uh, he says our country instead of this country, and he's a nationalist versus versus all the rest who are globalists, but. Not using email is probably the smartest thing he's ever done. Or ever not yeah, done. Well, let's George put it that H. Way. W. was the same way. Yeah. Old CIA guy, he's not putting anything in an email because everyone can get to it. Right, and that's exactly how uh, Uncle Don got in trouble. Is he had a memo. He had a memo about a meeting that uh, he, he didn't tell his boss about because that was when he was a uh, uh, national security advisor to uh, Bush when he was vice president and you know that was the iran contra memo and the minute you write something down the minute it's you know it goes into the archives and then it's a problem so well, it depends it's also a, not a problem if you do if you when you write stuff something down it's always a cya memo well yes and and that is the one thing that came out of uh, volume two is the a meeting in the Oval Office with Obama and Susan Rice then being advised to send an email to herself uh, two weeks after that meeting, which was close to uh, the handover of the presidency. Um, and and specifically in that said that Obama had apparently said, uh, let's do it by the book. And that was a CYA. That was, a you know, sending yourself an email. Oh, yeah. Uh, on advice of the... That's what I remember people used to say. Uh, this was a long, long time ago. Hey, if you got a great idea and you want to trademark it, just send yourself a, a registered uh, piece of mail with the idea in it. Have you ever heard this? Oh, yeah. Does that actually work? Does that hold up? It, well, it's not for trademarking. So oh, no, for, for um, patents. patents. I'm sorry. Patents, right. That works? That That's valid? There is some element of it that is valid, yes. Huh. Huh. So... so Back to the uh, to the report. A um, couple of things that were interesting. I thought the note about Seth Rich or the uh, the piece about Seth Rich, uh, how Julian Assange basically smeared him while he was working with the Russians. The Russians, by the way, there's you know there's no actual uh, proof of a lot of things. There was indictments, and of these indictments, I don't think anyone has been uh, been has appeared in front of uh, in front of a judge or a court or a jury uh, an indictment is just an indictment so nothing was proven and donna brazil remembers very well what happened to the 
DNC server, and she works for Fox News now. DNC, and we were informed of what was happening, but it was too late because the Russians had already spent almost a year inside of our systems. Mm. And by the time we got to it, we were wiped out. And but we again, didn't so like what, a year before but that, why, where, I, what, what happened I then? wasn't chair, so I cannot speak and to that effect. didn't also that you guys never actually handed over the server that we, was We asked? handed over a replica because... A replica? But, yeah, but it was certainly replica. But, like, but you take can't that replicate aside, because like, we the... had to figure out, we had to figure out. And you see, that's another thing. This report goes into deep uh, analysis of what happened. Yeah, no, it's not really <laughs> it's not really a deep analysis. It's a lot of interviews with people. Here's NPR on um, the voting system information. Another topic the Mueller investigation looked at was uh, the targeting of America's voting system. What did you see there? So we really learned something uh, new here, and it's that these agents. The report says that these agents were actually more successful than we thought at breaking into uh, local governments. Uh, We knew that they had sent phishing emails to dozens of local election officials in Florida in an effort to try and break into their systems, but we had no indication that they were ever successful. The report says that the FBI thinks they were successful in at least one Florida county government. We know nothing yet about which county that was, and no county in the last three years has announced that they were breached. Uh, I even talked to the head of of the uh, Supervisor of Elections Association in Florida, and he says he hasn't heard anything about a breach. (laughs) So there's still a lot of details to come, but we did hear something new here. Yeah, fake news is what I'm hearing. (laughs) And and, and it's just a technicality, but I really, you know, you and I both, I think, despise the the blatant lies that become facts, such as fine people on both sides. Um, What else do we have? You know. Uh, They're endless. All, all Mexicans are rapists and murderers. Yeah. And so I think they should at least say alleged hackers. It's now just become a fact where it's not proven at all. Certainly not for the DNC server. The Internet Research Agency, their their Facebook stuff. Yeah, that's. I think that's pretty much proven. Everyone came out with enough evidence. But, you know, here we go. Voting systems hacked. No one knows anything about it in Florida. And then there's the Assange and Seth Rich issue. Over the next two months, uh, the report says that Russian agents compromised uh, as many as 59 different computers. Uh, They also broke into the network of uh, Hillary Clinton's campaign chairman, John Podesta. Uh, The report also even saying they broke into. No, it was it was a phishing uh hack that's they just they just used his password because he willfully gave it to them that's not exactly breaking in uh hillary clinton's campaign chairman john podesta uh the report also gets into how these attackers communicate with wikileaks uh and how julian assange falsely tried to pin uh these attacks on a dnc staffer and not on russia and that uh caused bill binney to uh to come out of uh out of woodwork once again. If you do not know who, who Bill Binney is, you have to look him up. He's one of the original whistleblowers. In fact, when we were first doing this show, when I was in San Francisco frequently, uh, we would talk about the building on the AT and T building on Second Street all the time. Yeah, which we'd is go the, by it. Yeah, the big windowless uh, building point. that uh, that had this you know, basically a a tap, and everything at the time that was probably possible with just a tap. Everything that was on the internet was being sucked out and <laughs> and piped off to some storage system. 
And Bill Binney, yeah. he says, no, 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 no. There was definitely contact with Seth Rich. Ty, Ty Clevenger, he uh, foiled uh, information from NSA asking for any data that involved both uh, Seth Rich and also Julian Assange. And they responded by saying, we've got 15 files, uh, 32 pages, but they're all classified in accordance with the executive order 13526, governing classification, and therefore you can't have them. Uh, but that says that NSA has communications, records of communications between Seth Rich and Julian Assange. I mean, that's the only business that NSA is in, copying communication between people and devices. 35 pages that they won't give up under FOIA. That's a lot of pages. That, how come that doesn't show up in these stories? Oh, it's even worse. I saw you were being barraged on Twitter by people saying, See, it wasn't Seth Rich. It was the Russians. Yeah. Well, the report said very specifically, and it did it in such a way that it was kind of stood out if you looked it up, mm-hmm. the Seth Rich part, mm-hmm. that this is bull crap, that there's Seth Rich and nothing to do with nothing. And so I and this I had there's a bunch of trolls that have been badgering us about Seth yeah. Rich. Yeah, you too. Mm-hmm. Oh, and yeah. I just uh, I just block immediately. I don't. You responded. Well, I was surprised. Report didn't block. Uh, um, I don't think that works. The reporting of that they just get a new name and start over again. Yeah, I know, but I do it anyway. You it was under your advice anyway. So this guy comes out and I said, well, you know, if we're going to accept the report at full value, it's full, you know, there's no Russian collusion. Anything else. Okay. Uh, I'm sorry. I mentioned Seth, Seth Rich. I'll never do it again. And that's what I did said. No, no, you have to apologize to his family. <laughs> that's that's I don't what know the, his family. They don't know me. That's I, what the troll, no al- the troll always says. Are you going to apologize now? <laughs> no. Yeah. That's what the troll always says. Yeah, no, screw and you. I don't understand what, who this troll is or what, what is. Oh, I do. Is. Of course, he's from Reddit. Just a Reddit nut. Yeah, there's there's only one of them, and he and he's three different people, three different screen names. Okay, yeah, well, it. he should find a job or something. It's really getting <laughs> old. No, it's, it. Yeah. So sadly, pretty much across the board, all news is only talking about this. What we just oh, yes. discussed. It's ruining the news cycle. It's, there's nothing else to talk These about. These guys have just got a hair up their ass and they can't get it out of their system. I think those clips you played earlier. Mm-hmm. And there's even a good one with Janine Pirro uh, that Trump retweeted this morning. It's a eight minute screed. And she goes on and she in the, in the screed, she's bitching about this, what you're just complaining about. And she plays a bunch of other clips, yeah. which are just as bad or worse, all saying, well, he's this. The, the, the Mueller report proves he's guilty. I mean, these guys never give up. It's unbelievable. Yeah. That's all anyone's doing. It's a, it's a, I mean, Sri Lanka got about, yeah, a mention. Okay, here we go. And that's maybe that's why we don't know anything. They're too busy, uh, you know, circle jerking themselves. Of, oh, look how great we did. Let's talk about this. Let's talk about how horrible it is. We've got to impeach. It makes our job tough. They do beseech you must must impeach, but it lo- does make our job tough because we don't get lots of. But I did I did find some things going on. Uh, can I just uh, stay with this one more clip? Because no, I'll stay with two more clips. No, I only have one. Uh, Chuck Todd, who I we, may have who we affectionately call Chip Todd. He uh, he has a podcast. I'm sorry, yes, he does. It's the Todd Cast. I'm sorry. It's the- <laughs> 
the, the Chip Toddcast. In fact, I want to call this the No Agenda Toddcast. I think that's much it's better. Toddcast, man. The t- it's a Toddcast. Sounds like baby. you're a kid, that would adenoidal kid. Uh, I'm a Toddcast. And he, it, you know, what happens when someone does a podcast or a Todd, especially a Toddcast? They're much more relaxed. They say things they may not say in their mainstream uh, position. Yeah, they just kind of you know chat away. And Todd was hanging out with a WAPO reporter. Let me see. Which uh, WAPO reporter was this? Uh, Phil Rucker. And they're talking about money being raised uh, for the 2020 election. And even though yeah, there's some impressive numbers and, and, and this is really all that the mainstream is interested in because you want to highlight the candidate with millions of dollars because they're going to spend it on you, on your network. That, that's what that money is for. Yeah, they do it on yard signs and there's other things, but a lot of the money goes towards uh, traditional television advertising. Uh, so, so, of course, Todd uh, checks all this and he was just amazed at how little Donald Trump has actually raised compared to Obama around this time. Trump's money was shockingly mediocre. Um, It was less than what Obama raised from at this point in time of his reelect, less Less than than W. The contribution limits are higher and he's been working at it longer. And even the cash on hand total was, was, was surprisingly just on par is just, just, them burning, spending a lot of expensive days at Trump properties, which then cost the campaign a lot of money. I mean, it, that is it is amazing how much either money they're wasting. Um, they raised some 80 million in the first two years and it's all basically gone. Yeah. Uh, they spent through that money really quickly. Uh, it looked like a big total compared to the Democratic totals because the Democratic sure. numbers were so low, but 35 million, I think 35 million yeah. is, is really not that much. And, and Trump's going to have to get to work. He's not actually done a lot of fundraising <laughs> himself. Those big Mac donors those don't events. like him. I think that's what well, we're hearing. They right? don't like him. He yeah. doesn't like to travel to these events. When he does them, they tend to be at Mar-a-Lago right. down in Florida, but he's not working the circuit the way Obama did. He would make multiple trips out west, you know, hit mm-hmm. Seattle, Chicago, all the big cities. What and and Trump, you just... About? He's talking about how great Obama was. Instead of running the country, he would do all these campaign events. That's what he's talking about. And Trump is you know, too lazy. He doesn't like to do it. The big donors don't want to give him money. Multiple trips out west, you know, hit mm-hmm. Seattle, Chicago, all the big cities. And and Trump, you just you, you see a laziness there in the fundraising side. Sure, laziness. and I'm sure he's, that's he does gonna... these huge rallies. No, he's lazy. He's lazy. He doesn't do it right. He doesn't know how to do it. It's wrong. He's lazy. Trump, you just you, you see a laziness there in the fundraising side. Sure, and I'm sure that he's that's going to pick up because his know, campaign folks I'm, know they. I like I like Todd. Sure. In the fundraising side, sure, sure. and I'm sure, sure. that's going to pick up because you know, his campaign folks I'm know they weirdly need more money. surprised he's lazy about fundraising because it's other people's money. He loves other people's money. That's number one, and number two, it's people pretending they love him. Like I, I just I think would think that the the dream place for Donald Trump is at a fundraiser where people are sucking up to him and handing him cash. I don't mean to be that facetious, but I mean <laughs> this is what Donald Trump lives for: other people's people handing him money and people telling him he's great. <laughs> Well, he should do a podcast. <laughs> that's, a, yeah, that's a podcaster for you. By the way, uh, I don't want to say too much, but uh, I hear a like a a three k you know ground loop tone in in this Toddcast. You may not hear it through the ah. Skype, but there's a, yes, I'm hearing a like a ground loop in the background. It's all right. It's all right. I have four clips before we go on. Oh hell yeah! All right, bang me. 
couple of things. First of all, I'm very upset about a couple of the clips. Most of these clips have got some issue that I find uh, disturbing. And let's start with uh, PBS. This is Hari Srinivasa, who I thought was the most neutral of the uh, of the people over there because they've all turned uh, very biased. And But I picked up a little usage issue here with this particular report. This is a report on Trump kvetching. Hari, PBS. President Trump continued to attack special counsel Robert Mueller's investigation into Russian interference in the 2016 election and obstruction of justice. Before heading out to play golf near his Mar-a-Lago estate, where he is spending the weekend, Mr. Trump tweeted out a by-the-numbers video that said the investigation cost $30 million and took 675 days. And he again claimed there was no collusion and no obstruction. <laughs> yes. So the little thing there was, again, he claimed mm-hmm, there was clip, no yep, collusion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, you're now, so he uses right. The word claim. I keep missing those. You're so good at that. He uses the word claim rather than said. Uh, yes. Because claim makes it sound as though like the you're, guy like is you're bullshitting. bullshitting. Yeah. And so this was a this was the most skewed I've ever heard this guy when he said this because he didn't claim anything. Mueller said there was no collusion. The report said there was no collusion. Yeah. But and then he, he then he makes it worse by saying he continues to claim <laughs> as it's, though it's like he's he's swimming upstream. You know, it's just oh, I'm, I'm trying to drown in here. I'm continuing to try to not drown. It a very very skewed. I, I I just knocked this guy down about five notches in my book. And so far as biased reporting is concerned, that was extremely biased. That was a twenty three second clip, and right there, boom. There's um there was a common theme over the weekend about Trump going to uh, Mar-a-Lago, which uh, I don't even think he tweeted it, but someone tweeted someone with a blue check mark, so you know they're important. Mm-hmm. Uh, tweeted the Southern White House, which I think uh, has been has been in the lexicon. Yeah, and, and some I started doing something uh, with Twitter because uh, it's, it's kind of boring, but I'll just look at what's trending, and that's that actually changes quite frequently. All of a sudden, I see Southern White House trending. I look at it, and there's people losing their minds. How dare you call it this? There is only one White House. You don't even deserve to be in that one. This is this is an outrage. It's the People's House. There is no such thing as the Southern White House. And you go and, and you go and look at previous presidents. We had Nixon had the Florida White House. In fact, a lot of them in Florida. Uh, I think Truman called his um, his house in the Keys the the little White House. Yeah, uh, they all did. There's tons Bush of Bush had his ranch. Yes, was a Texas White House. Yeah, and and it really, I really had to conclude that what's going on. And luckily, Kenny Bunkport is another Kenny one Bunkport. Yes, what's really happening is it's just a group of yeah, maybe it's twenty, thirty thousand people who are just on Twitter all the time yelling and yelling and yelling because it's not making it into the M5M. They were too preoccupied with uh, you know patting themselves on the back. We're and, doing such a good job. And so you, you can see these waves. I wish I had a way to analyze it. I'm sure, you know, with some programming, you can you could turn it into a, a graphical wave of the outrage. And then oh, is, is anyone reporting on it on television? No, nope. drops off the cliff. Gone. The outrage is over. We'll move on to something else. And these people. Well, here's another one. That, uh, another one that I caught, which is Clapper. 
Yeah. Clapper goes on CNN and he said and he the way it was presented was as though Clapper thought it was terrible that uh, the way it was presented in the headline, you'd think that Clapper finally came to grips with reality. Oh, please. <laughs> and then when you listen to no. Clapper, there he goes again off the deep end. He's actually worse now because him and Brennan are both like worried sick that something bad's going to happen to them. Your take on how the AG has handled this process uh, culminating in today. Well, to be honest, uh, Chris, I'm uh, a bit disappointed. Uh, I think uh, the attorney general clearly is trying to paint as favorable a light on the Mueller report as possible. And when you read it, uh, it's pretty devastating. Uh, I'll tell you, though, the the big thing for me, the big deal for me in this was laying out in very rich detail the magnitude and pervasiveness of the Russian interference in our election in 2016. And uh, personally gratifying because of the intelligence community assessment that we rendered on January 6th of 2017, briefed then President-elect Trump on about the, magn- about the Russian interference. But this mm-hmm. report, we only scratched the surface. And I hope uh, Americans will take the time to read that. You know, collusion, obstruction aside, the big deal to me is, is the magnitude of the Russian interference. And no one can say they didn't interfere and, and in fact, I think, taint the election. Mm, taint the election. They tainted the election. Taint now. the election. Now, I thought it was the he was taking credit for this because he was the head of DNI, but it was like, uh, wasn't, didn't they all, including him, I, and I'm sure we could find clips of this, all agree that the Russians did not taint the election? That's what I recall. Yeah, they all came out and said, well, yeah, the Russians tried, they tried to do this and that, but we don't think they infected anything. Yeah. They had no influence, you know, except for a few stupid ads, $100,000 worth of ads at Facebook, maybe. Yeah. But they went out, they all, and it and was, he was one of these people. Now, all of a sudden, he's convinced they tainted the election when when a few seconds before he said that in this particular report that we just played, he says we're so proud of being so accurate as us, us, us <laughs> intelligence community folk. No, he, he, he made a mistake. He was uh, in the, in the press corps. You see, he's now part of the press. So that's why he's, he's, he's participating in the, in the back padding in the, Hey, good job. Yes. Very okay, good. I got two more short ones. Just, They're not short, there, but there's one he, other, there's one other thing that I need to conclude reading volume two. Yeah. The president, I don't know if it's all presidents, doesn't really have a lot of power. There's not a really a lot of stuff that he could get done. It's a lot of yelling and this and that and firing no, I, people. I tend but, to agree. But they, they can he has no, set the tone, though, and they can do other things. And that's what I think they're most afraid of is that he's setting, setting a, the tone, a weird postmodern tone. Yeah, that is going to affect politics forever. In fact, they're not going to be able to get him out of here. It's going to be worse every minute he's in. Paraphrasing. I think that's that's the issue. Paraphrasing Uh, Abraham Lincoln, who said, I cannot claim to be responsible for events. Rather, I was carried by the events themselves. And I I wonder how much power the president really has. It seems kind of on. We can veto bills. That's a big deal. That's a big one. That's that's the one, really. That's it. So yes, okay, that's that's his power. He got that. Now let's go to the. This is Trump. This is the CBS went on about his tweeting about <laughs> Mueller. Uh, so they made a report out of it. This is Trump new tweets about Mueller and CBS. 
Before hitting the golf course at his Florida resort, President Trump took another (laughs) swing at what he called the crazy Mueller report. He said some of the statements made about him are total BS and only given to make the other person look good or me to look bad. Special counsel Robert Mueller found insufficient evidence of a conspiracy with Russians in the 2016 presidential election. Whoa, 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 I got to stop that. She's conflating two different things. She said, she said, absolutely. No, that's that's, this is a lie that she's she's doing it wrong. There was doing it right. Yeah. (laughs) Insufficient evidence of a conspiracy with Russians. We just explain why Uh, he found insufficient evidence of obstruction of justice. He said there was conclusively no collusion or whatever conspiracy you want to call it. And she's now just kind of whoops, just mm, kind of that way. If you can put those two together, then you can bring the collusion issue back into play. Good or me to look bad. Special counsel Robert Mueller found insufficient evidence of a conspiracy with Russians in the 2016 presidential election, but he did not make a ruling on obstruction. Mueller wrote, while this report does not conclude that the president committed a crime, it also does not exonerate him. Mueller investigated 10 episodes for obstruction and said the evidence does point to a range of other possible personal motives animating the president's conduct. It ultimately comes down to why those acts were committed. Was this a case of corrupt intent or was this just the type of visceral reactions that we've seen from President Trump in various areas? Mueller considered President Trump's firing of former FBI director James Comey, telling White House counsel Don McGahn to fire Mueller. McGahn refused and trying to get former Attorney General Jeff Sessions to reverse his decision to recuse himself from leading the investigation. Ultimately, this report is a 400-page tale of self-inflicted wounds. I mean, it's like watching NASCAR for the crashes. Time and time again, the president commits acts that make it seem like he was guilty. Okay. It took me nowhere. But this one here, I got something out of. This is the new impeachment talk. Okay. There was more sharp reaction today to the Mueller report. Senator Mitt Romney said he was sickened by some of the president's <laughs> actions detailed in the report. And for the first time, a major Democratic presidential candidate is calling for impeachment. Here's Nancy Cordes. The Mueller report is igniting impeachment talk on the campaign trail. Today, Massachusetts Senator Elizabeth Warren became the first major presidential candidate to say that the severity of the president's misconduct, as outlined in the report, means the House should initiate impeachment proceedings. House freshman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez signed on to the movement, too. But Democratic leader Nancy Pelosi pushed back, saying one step at a time. Like many Democrats, she views impeachment as time-consuming and politically risky. Maryland Democrat Jamie Raskin. Impeachment shouldn't be a fetish for anybody. That would be ridiculous. But it shouldn't be a taboo either. It's part of the Constitution. It is the instrument of self-defense for the people in the Congress. But first, he says, Congress needs the full report. The report is very damning. 
House Judiciary Chairman Jerry Nadler made good on his subpoena threat today, ordering Attorney General William Barr to release the complete and unredacted version of the report so Congress can pursue its own investigations. I see considerable evidence of obstruction of justice, which is what Mueller said. Late this afternoon, Nadler and five other top Democrats rejected an offer to view some of the redacted material next week. They balked at Attorney General Barr's conditions, including one that would prohibit discussion of the full report, even with other committee members. It's an outrage. Now, I got a completely He's the president's lawyer. He's not the country's lawyer. He's the president's lawyer. My take on this whole report that you just listened to is that Beto O'Rourke is out. He's been kicked out of the picture. CBS is the CIA broadcasting system. And they brought up Liz. They brought up Liz because Beto O'Rourke has been calling for impeachment for months. Well, what exactly went wrong with, with Beto? I know May- well, Mayor and, Pete and, and, took his thunder. I know that. But then how did he just drop off? What's he, what's he doing? He's got money. What's he doing wrong? I think what happens is when they uncover all that punk rock era stuff and the picture of him with all this weird stuff painted on his chest. Oh, that made him in, unelectable. Is that what they're thinking? I think it made him unele- it made him unacceptable to the party. Huh. Uh, and, and they just kicked him to the curb. And this report, because they brought the Elizabeth Warren thing up, and and made it very clear that she's the first. Good point. Good point. Uh, to do this, it, which is not true, because Beto O'Rourke, who is a serious candidate, was has been doing it for months, literally months, and to to make this pro- proclamation on this show on CBS Evening News tells me one thing: Beto is kicked to the curb. He's done. And this is finalizes it from my, from my perspective. And do you, now I, I believe I've heard Mayor Pete, which is his name, by the way, because no one really wants to say Buttigieg. You just call him Mayor Pete, Mayor Pete, Mayor Pete. Yeah, Mayor Pete. Mayor Pete. I think Mayor Pete was calling for impeachment. Impeachment. Mayor impeachment. He might have, yes, it's possible. And, and, and just so everyone can stop sending us emails, yeah, we're pretty convinced he's a spook. You know, it's not like a big secret. No, no, his background is too way too spooky. Rhodes Scholar. Uh, oh, and then you sign this all, all over the place. It's all in there. It's all in there. It's got like a checklist. And but this a is one of the checklist, which is so easy to identify nowadays. We should actually put that together. And it and it's it's one of their better tries, I would say. I, I think the spooks have this they've done pretty good with him. Yeah, which and of course, yeah, it's I the so it's too. the new They've CIA. See the CIA. When he gets old, you watch. You'll have white hair. CIA stands for Catholics in Action. That's that's the joke in Washington D.C. I'm pretty sure Mayor Pete is a devout Christian, and uh, so he would fit within that part of the milieu. But this is the new CIA. All right, we'll take the gay guy. Well, uh, let's go over my CIA material here today. Gina Haskell finally came out and did his talk at apparently one of the CIA CIA university branches. I had no idea this was one of them, but they have a national security confab every year. And she came to speak with another ex-spook <laughs> who is the COO of the University of Auburn. Mm-hmm. 
And so she's in there and they say there was one guy interrupting, but most of it was just mostly her discussing one thing or another. I did get this clip, though, which I think you'd get a kick out of, which is the first clip, which is CIA spies on on Americans. But we do. uh, CIA does play a role in tracking um, uh, lone wolf style (laughs) attacks or attacks that may be. Hold on. (laughs) She actually said lone wolf. I have the ISO. Oh, good. Hold on. I'll, I'll let it play then. I'll grab the ISO. Style attacks or attacks that may be inspired by foreign terrorist ideology such as ISIS. <laughs> lone wolf. <laughs> the lone wolf. <laughs> she says lone wolf. How did now, that happen at, at, at an education level that she must have enjoyed? Uh, she's from University of did Kentucky. She, did she say anyways at any point? I didn't notice, maybe. <laughs> By the way, she's I've, very, I've looked that up. Anyways dull, is okay now. She's very dull. And yeah. and when you see her and you see her talk and the whole thing, you can see why she was a great undercover spy. And she she's Brennan's protege. Supposedly, yeah, yes. That's what we understand. But uh, she is so demure and kind of like every woman, you know, Midwesterner, you know, and just a normal kind of a middle-aged woman. And if she was a spy, super spy, you would never figure this out just by on, and, and her background doesn't indicate it either. She doesn't have the right, uh, the right education or anything. She's very well hidden. I can see that, but she did. And, and she did mention that, by the way, that clip says that they spy on Americans. And so I think people should note that because oh. they're not supposed to, but they're doing it. I, I, I was but so, he, I was so uh, obsessed with the wolf part. Maybe we should listen to that again. Okay. Uh, hold on. I want to hear that again, though. But we do, uh, CIA does play a role in tracking um, um, lone wolf style attacks or attacks that may be inspired by foreign terrorist ideology, such as ISIS. Well, she's kind of skirting no, no, around. I don't have the beginning of it, but this is about Americans. Okay. Well, that's She's wrong. talking about American lone wolves. I mean, you can't do that. That's The CIA is, is forbidden from doing this. Well, that's what they're doing, and that's what she but says. But what you do is you just have GCHQ over there in the, the UK do the spying and then hand it off to you. Yeah, this, that's this probably is, the mechanism This is what they, they did with Trump. <laughs> it's the yeah. way to go. But here's the thing that's interesting, and whether she's a protege of Brennan or not. I had no idea this was going on. This is the second clip. Women have taken over the CIA. You know, for the folks that don't know, you you are the first female director of the Central Intelligence Agency. And I know uh, the strides that we have made in the intelligence community in terms of promoting the best and the brightest But what would you say to young women out there uh, about leadership uh, in your agency and what it is women ought to be aspiring to? Well, I think um, at this this point in history, it is uh, a great time to be a woman at the agency uh, or indeed in the wider intelligence community. At the moment at CIA, setting aside my own position. Um, The head of operations is a woman. The head of analysis is a woman. The head of science and technology is a woman. Um, 
you might sense a conspiracy here, but uh, <laughs> our general counsel is a woman. Uh, the head of uh, diversity and inclusion is a woman. Yeah. I think yes, in important roles, but there have been there have been a lot of women traditionally in the CIA, just not in leadership roles. Was that the only point they were making, or women in general in CIA? I think that just a lot of women, but the one the, the diversity officer being a woman is, I think, I don't know how long that's been going on, but I think that's how potentially Mayor Pete. Yeah, I was just going to say it's like all right, has gotten get... into the situation. Yes. Um, so there's something going on at that agency, but it, you know they're working against the interests of the American public if they're going after Trump, which they seem to be doing. And of course, that was never brought up in this in this discussion. And the thing is, the guy who was discussed—I can't remember this guy's name—but he's COO of Auburn and he was an ex-DI head of DIA, and he was in Trump's transition team. This guy mm. Bradley or Montgomery—I can't think of his name. Huh. I just have to get my notes out, but. Which leads me to believe that, you know, a lot of people in Trump's transition team weren't really We're working. Not really working for benefit him. Benefit Trump right. because this guy should have said something about the the obviousity that the CIA and the intel community is, go, is going after Trump, or at least the leadership is. Mike I don't Pom- know about the down below people. Mike Pompeo, who was Trump's CIA director before he became secretary of state, was here in Texas this past week, and he had did a little speech, a little Q&A type thing at Texas A&M, and I thought this was uh, worth sharing. In terms of how you think about problem sets, I, when I was a cadet, what's the first, what's the cadet motto at West Point? You will not lie, cheat, or steal, or tolerate those who do. Mm. I, I, I was the CIA director. We lied, we cheated, we steal, stole. It's, it was like, we, we, had, we had entire, we had entire training courses. Uh, it, uh, it, it it reminds you of the uh, uh, the glory of the American experiment. <laughs> we lied, we stole, we cheat. We even had courses on how to do it. Wow, that's a great clip. <laughs> Thanks. Only in Texas. That one around is an evergreen. Only in Texas. Yeah, well, Pompeo seems like kind of a boob. Uh, uh, an oaf, maybe I should use the word. I don't oaf. know, man. I th- I think he's he's got a lot going on. Well, he's got his background indicates he's not an oaf, but he seems to be mm. seems to seem he pre- presents himself as one. Right. All right. Okay. Well, just as a as an entremont, because this kind of slipped through the cracks, uh, it doesn't get the type of attention that you would expect. But of course, we know who the true enemy is of the United States. That is Russia. Even though I recall Hillary Clinton trying to do a reset and, you know, making sure that we shared in our uranium and, you know, there was all kinds of friendliness, but somehow they're, they're the arch enemy. However, this just took place. On Wednesday, April 17th, an airport employee in New York pled guilty to acting as a foreign agent on behalf of the Chinese regime. She smuggled luggage onto flights for Chinese military officials. The woman named Lin Ying may face up to 10 years imprisonment. She will also forfeit $170,000 for her actions. Lin began working with the Chinese state-run airline Air China in 2002. She became a manager in 2009. She mostly served Chinese VIPs and government employees 
employees. Both the FBI and DHS were involved in the case. FBI Assistant Director in Charge William F. Sweeney said, We believe this case isn't unique and hope it serves as an example that the Chinese and other foreign governments can't break our laws with impunity. Lin would accept luggage from officers of the Chinese Communist Party, or CCP, but would mark it as unaccompanied or even check it in under another passenger's name. She also encouraged other employees to help military officers, saying their primary loyalty was to the Chinese regime. Attorney Richard P. Donahue for the Eastern District of New York said, This case demonstrates how seriously we address counterintelligence threats posed by individuals in the United States who work for foreign governments, such as China. Lin may have her citizenship revoked if evidence is found that she lied in the process of obtaining it. Lin will be sentenced on September 10th. Now, this was a rather poor read from the uh, news person. It's from some outfit called NTD, but it is the only clip I could find of what happened. This is kind of a big deal, I think. I think this is a huge deal. And it's, it's, well, this is an example of what you said at the beginning of the show is that because of this Trump mania Mm -hmm. over the Mueller report, we're not getting these news stories, which is a, that is a very important story. Yeah, and, and I get it from NTD, a guy who's uh, in his bathroom recording his, uh, yes, his report. Exactly. <laughs> it's worse than a podcast. Yeah, worse than a podcast. And actually, the report went on for another two minutes with all these different cases of, of you know, spying of Chinese uh, nationals who are here legally and just spying. Yeah. And that's kind of how you do it. I mean, <laughs> that's how spies work. You come in legally, you, you assimilate, but... Yeah, it's Boeing secrets, it's NASA secrets, it's, um, there's a lot of this going on in Silicon Valley. I think you've mentioned it from time to time. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, that's an interesting report. There's no follow-up, nobody else is covering it. It's terrible. Nothing. Ooh, I, I just see, I, I missed one clip. I have a Glenn Greenwald. Oh, he's still irked. Well, this was a great, it's not so much about the content as it is, well, it's also, the content is good. But he's, he's asked to be on NPR, and this is right after Julian Assange got arrested. Or, as you and I have intimated to each other, was it really Julian Assange? I've seen websites that show Julian Assange body doubles. Pretty uncanny. We, uh, we should talk, before we play that clip, let's discuss this. Well, it's, I it's the beard, suspicion. you know. It's the beard that, that threw, well, yeah, that threw me off. Well, yeah, you the beard to cover up facial features. Something and different, also yeah. the, the chin line, you, you can't, you might not be able to duplicate that, so you grow a beard. You never, we, when's the last time we saw him with a beard? I don't think ever. I don't think I've seen him with a beard. So he comes out, and then he's carrying, the thing that triggered me was he's carrying a Gore Vidal book. Yes. And the book, and he shows, and it's very clear in the, as they're hauling him out. And you, he's also not standing, so you can't get his height, if you haven't noticed that trick. Yep. So he could have been a short guy, tall guy, who knows, because they're carrying him out. And so you can't do an analysis of his height. And, you know, and, no, and John, no one has done analysis of that. It's automatically assumed that he would not go and they dragged him out. But who yeah. knows what's going on? It's, and that's just the oddest thing. I've never seen someone get dragged out hogtied like that. He wasn't even hogtied. They were holding on to his legs. I don't think they were tied. No. No, they're okay. just hauling him out so you, so you couldn't get a height. Yeah. So, so explain and, the book. And there's, if you see some of the pictures, there's a couple of the cops that have a funny laughing look on their faces, though they know the scam is a scam of some sort. And uh, 
So they're hauling him out. He's carrying this Gore Vidal book, The History of National Security, uh, The History of National Security something. But it's a funny book that he would. Well, read. now now I need to know what this is. I mean, clearly this was a sign. Gore Vidal. Yeah, yeah well, it seemed like a signal. A sig- the book was a signal of some sort. Because why would he have the book anyway? You're hauling some guy out of there. He's got a book in his hand. Yeah, yeah. It's like, I, I, hey, hey, you've got me tied. You got me tied. You're dragging me out. Let me just take my book, please. I want to take my book. Yeah. Yeah. So the book is a is a giveaway, and so not that we're overly suspicious, but that's what we do on the show because we looking we're looking for the scams that are going on and the poor reporting, which nobody everybody does except us, and. So, yeah, I think it's a, we could have been an extraction. It could, I mean, the extract that could have been a, a diversion for an extraction. I mean, maybe some guy with dark hair and a mustache uh, walked out a couple of days late or walked out the well, next I, day. Well, I was going to say there's a lot of reports of him uh, being able to slip out, you know, dressed as a maintenance worker. Or I, I think I'm pretty sure he was able to go in and out of the embassy. And maybe I would hope so. And maybe he had a you know a, a body double come in. I mean, just it makes a lot of sense. If that was me, I know, I know that you as my friend would get some Tourette's head shaking guy and throw a wig on him and uh, and help me out. Yeah, I think I'd just go over to your old place in Texas and grab one of your wigs, <laughs> and we'd use that. Okay, unnecessary <laughs> roughness on the play. <laughs> anyway, so Greg Greenwald don't rap. He has every right to be pissed at his at this introduction and just the whole thing is is shameful by npr for a fellow journalist and i think greenwald did a pretty good job on this but this is true media hysteria hysteria i want to bring in another voice here it is julian assange's colleague glenn greenwald he's on the line he's a longtime backer and proponent of wikileaks and julian assange uh, glenn thanks for taking the time this morning Sure. I'm not sure why you introduced me as a colleague of Julian Assange, since I'm not actually that. I've reported on him as a journalist, um, but I'm happy to be with you. <laughs> I, the, but then I heard that, I'm like, wow, what a dick. Oh, he's not going to... Uh, Greenwald's not going to put up with that crap. Well, stand by. He does not. Well, well to tell... I, I would love if you could actually... Actually, I think the NPR uh, journal is just confused. He's conflating Snowden with, you know, stuff that might have, you know, done the WikiLeaks dumps. And he's he actually is just poorly prepared. Um, but I'm happy to be with you. Well, well to tell, I, I would love if you could actually, um, just so people understand, characterize your, your relationship with him and with WikiLeaks. Sure. I'm a Pulitzer Prize winning journalist who has reported on. I wish I could say that. <laughs> I'm a podcast Hall of Famer who has been reporting on WikiLeaks over the years, just like NPR has. And beyond that, I don't have any relationship with WikiLeaks or Julian Assange. And I'm not sure why you're trying to imply otherwise. Have you been in contact with him today or, or leading up to this? No. <laughs> and, and what do you think of the charges against him? Well, I agree with the Obama Justice Department. The Washington Post editorial of 2011, the Guardian editorial from yesterday, and the consensus of press freedom groups around the world, which is that prosecuting Julian Assange in connection with publishing secret documents that showed U.S. war crimes is one of the gravest threats to press freedom possibly imaginable. And the indictment that the DOJ issued says, among other things, that Assange, for example, encouraged Manning to get more documents than 
she had originally provided, which is something journalists, I don't know if you know, work with sources or not in your reporting, but I do. This is something journalists do every day. They say, thanks for getting me this. Is there any way you can get more of that? So to criminalize that, encouraging sources to get more classified documents is to criminalize journalism. And I would hope no journalist would stand behind the Trump administration as it tries to do that. Obviously, if Julian Assange actually... You know, I got to tell you, I have I have listened to so much radio in my life. Do you hear the edits in this thing? I, I, you know, I hear edits all the time. Did you hear this blatant one? I didn't. I wasn't looking for edits. Okay, but I, 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 it, this has been edited to tighten it up. Yeah, yeah. To, to get more classified documents is to criminalize journalism, and I would hope no journalist would stand behind the Trump administration as it tries to do that. Obviously, if Julian Assange actually yeah, that, that hacked into yeah. a government database, that's just standard criminal hacking. But the indictment doesn't say that. The indictment says that Julian worked with Chelsea Manning and encouraged her um, in order to get these documents, which, again, that's something journalists do all the time. Um, we'll have to see what the evidence says. Obviously, hacking is a crime, and just because you're a journalist doesn't mean you get to do that. But encouraging a source or working with a source to get documents is is pure investigative journalism. And that was the end of it. And the guy let him go right away. <laughs> Poor Glenn. That guy's a douche? <clears throat> Who was that guy? He, I think he's from Here and Now on NPR. He's a, a very recognizable voice. It's he. Yeah, I think he's from here and now. I don't know who he, who his name is, what his name is. Hmm. But uh, poorly prepared. Can't they get uh, Greenwald on a Skype line? I mean, they have good Skype connections in Brazil. Yeah. He's on like a wor- the world's worst POTS line. <laughs> no. uh, this, this I didn't think about. I was still wondering how we can get oh, our hands on. Just I've been thinking about it because it's... Uh... Because it was like a phone, it was an interview on a phone. We need a Pulitzer. <laughs> Pulitzer. We're not getting one. No. We might get a Peabody if they get rid of a couple of the judges. A Peabody? Oh, what is the Peabody for? Oh, Peabody's for excellence. Excellence. In in, mostly in broadcasting. Oh, we should be able to get that. Oh, yeah. And has any other podcaster won a Peabody yet? Not yet. See, we would be perfect to be first. It's like yeah. I got the first Marconi for, for podcasting. They had to change the rules, so they need to change the rules. Well, well, yeah, we can start promoting it now. People out there should help us. All right. Uh, that was classic. It was actually pretty funny. Uh, let's see what else. We got the Yellow Vest updates. I got a PBS uh, report. That's one of the few things that showed up that was outside of the Trump derangement crap. In France today, Yellow Vest demonstrators set fires through rocks and complained about huge sums being donated to restore the Notre Dame Cathedral after Monday's devastating blaze. One protester's sign read everything for Notre Dame. What about for us, the poor? In Paris, large portions of the metro were closed and across the country, about 60,000 police were deployed on the 23rd weekend of protests against President Emmanuel Macron's economic policies. Macron was about to unveil new policies in response to the protests on Monday, but canceled when the Notre Dame fire erupted. So a couple things about that. One, I've seen reports uh, in Europe saying that uh, the yellow vests are, you know, they're they're just not stopping. This this, this was a false flag, they're saying, and so now we're going to burn the rest of France. <laughs> yeah. Well, the thing is, the backfired, according to Pachenik's thesis, and I think he was right on this one, is that Macron's... Uh, Popularity didn't change one bit with the uh, Notre Dame incident. Right. 
And it, and the backfiring is this. It's like, hey, look at all the money that these rich people are going to throw at the Notre Dame roof. <laughs> exactly. And we How, get nothing. No, we got to pay extra tax. And we got to pay extra carbon that, tax. That was the back. These same rich people. Yes, I think that yeah, was the backfire. Yeah, probably just pissed them off more. That was the backfire. I totally agree. And it seems, did you get the note from uh, Sir Mark Hall about the redesign, uh, the reconstruction? Yeah, I did. Yeah, about I it uh, the Belgian, is it the Belgian artist, uh, architect? Yes, yes Belgian. Uh, Wim Delvoy, Wim Delvoy says he's going to take part in the international competition. And it seems like he's already a shoe in. And he's, he wants to do the, the glass and the steel, I think, that you were talking about in the newsletter. Yeah. I put it in the newsletter. I think what we like, because this came up in a dinner conversation, mm-hmm. uh, actually with JC, who we we're talking about the uh, symbolism of changing the uh, instead of using the old plans for it, because this thing has been changed a few times along the way, and most of these old Gothic and Renaissance churches were built and kind of rebuilt, and then they cave in and they do something different. They keep changing them. And then this thing, I think the last time the Notre Dame burnt was in six, the 1600s, and Victor Hugo wrote about it. And I think they probably changed some some things then. Mm-hmm. And they can't get, they can't do the old roof anymore because those were, I didn't know this, but apparently those, it was, those were oak, giant oak beams, which I know you can get giant redwoods still. They, they do not ignite quickly. No, they don't. But I know you can get giant, and redwood doesn't catch on fire that easy either. But I know, but it's the size of the beams. You can't get those beams anymore, so they're going to have to use something else. So that's already a modification. And so if you're going to modify it, why don't you open up the uh, open up the put a glass roof or put steel beams? I mean, there's other ways you can go and still have the same appearance and still be cool. But uh, you know, uh, it'd be faster. I think by now you've probably seen, as I predicted, it would come out this way, and it, because the reports were already there. Now the rector, rector Patrick Chauvet, says, "Well, it looks like it was a computer glitch that actually caused the fire." His exact uh-huh. words, but we will not know. We may find out what happened in two or three months, which seems much more likely than this immediate. It was an accident. It was a cigarette butt. It was, you know, whatever it was. Cigarette butt. I heard cigarette butt. Could it be? I think Chris Cuomo said that. Could have been a cigarette butt. Cigarette butt. But yeah, this is like the smoke. But this is AP. (laughs) AP is reporting it. Um how does a glitch cause a thing to catch on fire? Did the cap go off in one of those computers? I had a cap go off once. A capacitor blew up in a, one of the computers I once had. Yeah, still, you, you got to have a pretty uh, big fire to get the oak started. Yeah, well, Just a capacitor. big cap. Yeah. <laughs> so, no, I doubt it was a big cap. I think he, maybe it's in the translation. I still think that what they're going to point to eventually is that there was a relatively new system monitor 24-7, two people in the building at all times, sensors everywhere, brand new wiring, but that it said that there was a fire in a different spot. And that's what confused the firefighters yeah, or something the wrong way. Get to the, what started the fire? Well, no. But isn't it great to have a theory for us all to obsess over and then not even think about what started it? <laughs> isn't that kind of how it works? And with that... I'd like to thank you for your courage to say in the morning to you, the man who put the C in the chicken coop, John C. Dvorak. In the morning to you, uh, it's about time.
All the ships at sea, the boots on the ground, the feet in the air, the subs in the water, all the dames and knights out there. Hello. In the morning and happy Easter to the troll room. Hello, trolls. They've been very, uh, very gracious to uh, grace us with their presence at noagendastream.com. Anyone can do it. Come on in. You can listen to this live stream on Sundays and Thursdays, and you can troll. You can be helpful if you want, but trolling is permitted. Troll. Troll. (laughs) Just troll. Also, in the morning, too, there he is again, Darren O'Neill, brought us the artwork for episode 1130, titled that was Troll Union. No coincidence. And Darren has just been cranking him out, and this was the glitch pull-down fire alarm. Um. Uh, with it was a beautiful piece with the French flag in the background. Yeah, yeah, the French it was, flag was a nice touch, positioned nicely, and and I'm just continuously amazed how the press accepts glitch as a as an answer. What happened with the with the system? Oh, glitch. Oh, okay, I'll report that because you know, God forbid, we look into what the glitch was. It's tiring. No, nothing. I no. mean, your complaint is, is you know, you a it's falling on deaf ears. Uh, B it's it's li- it's a right it's a rightful complaint that no one seems to be care about at all. No people, and it's true. These reporters are terrible. They're they're no good. It's true. I think any it's true. It's true. <laughs> it's true. I think any reporter who uses the word glitch should be fired. In a newsroom should, should be, be fired. Should be fired, should be fired right away. Uh, so thank you, Darren O'Neill. NoAgendaArtGenerator.com. That's where you can view all of the art. Uh, and we have over, what do you think now? I think we have like 15,000, maybe even more. Let me see. How many do we have submitted so far? Yeah, we have oh, 13,000, over 13,000 pieces of art uh, throughout the years. So happy with uh, with the artistry. So happy that everyone participates, and you can do it too. That's the good part. You can upload anything, and uh, it might get used uh, for album art, which really helps the program. People notice that they tend to click on stuff that's new, fresh, and exciting. Uh, could also be in the newsletter. Could be on T-shirts at noagendashop.com. Please check out noagendaartgenerator.com. And it's an ongoing competition. It is a friendly one. It's a friend. Well, yeah, it's kind of friendly. So we had uh, a triple witching for uh, our donation segment. We had 420 celebrated widely. Um, That was a donation, which you had an interesting amount for. And then there was also Easter, of course. And what was the third? Tomorrow is Earth Day. Oh, Earth Day. Can't wait to share some stuff with you. Earth Day. Earth Day. It's the day that we celebrate the Earth. Yes, Earth. (laughs) Okay, well, let's start with thanking a few people. And that's a celebration enough for us. Knight Leonard, $499.99, leads the way. He's from uh, Holland. And he says, uh, keep up the excellent work. No jingles, nor karma. Well, thank no you very com- much. No thank, karma. You. thank you, sir. Knight Leonard. I don't even know where in the Netherlands. I wonder, where, I wonder where he lives. You could probably dig it up. Okay. Sir Craig Porter, the Ronin, $420.69. So that's $420.69. and Get it? Ha-ha! <laughs> ITM, John and Adam, no jingles this time, but I'd like to request a karma shot for all those who came to the Portland meetup. Yes, there was a Portland meetup, uh, and uh, Melanson was there. I have, uh, I have a quick note from him, actually. Yes. He we'll had a, a quick... Oh, you don't want to do that now, since we're on Portland? No, Melanson's donation came in. Ah, okay. Thanks for telling me. Uh, 
Uh, I was a little worried. Only three people had signed up on meetings, meetup.com, but we ended up, you should go to no agenda meetings.com. Meetup.com does no, it's, not it's, work. It's no agenda meetups.com. Don't no agenda meetups.com. The reason that meetup.com doesn't work because they have all these, for example, if you, if it's like a week before the event, you can't sign in and there's all these things. It's terrible. I don't like meetup.com. I never have liked it. Well, you know, the re- the real boss of us, Mimi, she hates it. Yeah, well, she does hate it. <laughs> well, I hate it too. So even. I hate it more than she does. But we need, anyway, he said we needed, uh, we ended up having a, about 20 people show up, which is not bad for just, just a standalone meeting. With the permission of the peerage committee, we'd like to claim Oregon Local 33 <laughs> for our group, as Oregon was the 33rd state admitted to the United States. Very nice. I like that. Yeah. No, that's a magic number. Yeah. I didn't know Let this. Go. I didn't know this it's about a Port- stolen magic number. Oh. Uh, I'm very happy to, would, uh, I'm going to put, these together monthly going wow, forward. Good, good. I also good. have another peerage committee request. As, you, as I know, I am most likely at the Viscount level, but I don't want to go through the accounting. Aha, mm. as it has been in progress since 2012, I'd like to request an appendage to my surtile, Sir Craig Porter the Ronan. As I, oh, okay, we put that in there already. Yeah. As I become a knight in Florida, moved to Iowa, then moved to Oregon, and I ride a motorcycle. <laughs> So the thought of being a roving knight, technically a knight errant, but it doesn't flow off the tongue as well. And is and being a roving knight. Roving is appealing to him. Yeah. Thank you for uh, your ruling on this. Just fine. You can have that. It's just a quick ruling. <laughs> yes. It's off the cuff. I can do it. Finally, I passed the amateur radio general class exam. Looking ah. forward to some HF and JT65 slash FT8 DXing. Yes, FT8 or FS8 call, which is what we're all using these days. I can, well, I'm, I look forward to it, Sir Craig. Uh, I just got to get my uh, my wires up here. They got some great trees. Oh, the trees are perfect. I can have an 80 meter uh, 80 meter antenna, but I I don't know. I'd, I can probably need some help. I need some guys who have done. Uh, There's guys in Austin. Yeah, you know, they, they got guys with the bow and arrow, and they can or the slingshot, and they shoot it over the tree. And I just, yeah. I can just see catches on fire, burns <laughs> the house down. That's <laughs> no, great. No, uh, these are professional K-0 ham radio UAK. operators. That's seventy threes to Sir Craig. Seventy threes, and he needs a. Uh, he wanted a uh, karma, right? Didn't he ask for that? Yes, a karma shot. You've got karma. Now we have a uh, Melon Sun jingle, don't we? I think we do. Ladies and gentlemen, I present the Grand Duke of the Pacific Northwest, Sir Dwayne Melon Song. There he is. He comes in, the Archduke of the Pacific Northwest. He's a Grand Duke because of some... Oh. It was a long story back when. It says Archduke on the spreadsheet. I know it says Archduke on there. I don't know why it says that. Uh, $333.33 from uh, Tigard, Oregon, wine-growing area. Uh, my jingle, sir, Jeff, balance news diet and a jobs karma, please. This is a thing. Okay, ITM, gents, it's been a while. I'm not overboard, just over-obligated. Trump's tax changes haven't been good for me. I can no longer deduct much of my state income tax, so I had to write a big check to Uncle Sam, but I still feel like I need to send you some value. Keep uh, the up-to-grade analysis. Now, you have a note from him. 
I do? Yeah, you were just going to read it a second ago. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. Yes, and uh, hold on a second. It was regarding the meetup? That was the... the he said... The new studios causing these glitches. Do not use that word. Uh, Adam and John, I just left the Portland meetup. It was small, but we made up for it in technique. <laughs> okay. There were about 13 producers there, and the conversation was great. Thanks to Sir Craig Porter for putting this together, and we are thinking of doing it more often, perhaps even quarterly. Ah, Craig Porter's thinking of doing it monthly. As you noticed previously, there's a high concentration of techies at these events, and ours was no exception. Sir Tim, here's what the techies brought, okay? So we got dude's name, Ben. Sir Tim brought a stick with a picture of John on one side and a picture of Adam on the other side. Technology at work, ladies and gentlemen. You two are definitely there in spirit. This is my first meetup. I am certain it will not be my last. Karma to all producers and knights everywhere. Thank you, Sir Dwayne Melathon, Grand Duke of the Pacific Northwest. Um, yes. I can't believe this was his first one. He's been around for so long. There's a lot of guys that are just always going to be their first one. Uh, one of our oldest, uh, I think he's a baron. He is a baron of Oakland. Uh, Bean. He's never been to one of these things. We've had a couple over here. Yeah. Well, and uh, once uh, the nuptials are behind us, I can't wait to, to do a couple more. I'm looking forward to it. And uh, maybe we'll travel around a little bit to get to them. Because if you guys are doing them, then we definitely have to show up. And we Once in a while. Yeah. And, and we appreciate it. Maybe randomly so we don't even announce it. If you wake up with the blues, trying to fill your day with news, there's one thing you must remember, no agenda in the morning. For a healthy, balanced news diet, try noagendashow.com. Jobs, 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 and jobs. Let's vote for jobs. Yeah! New jobs. Karma. Dropping down to associate executive producer, we start with E. Brett Heenan Jr. from Geneva, Switzerland. Oh. Uh, love your work. Your show is the only news you're ever going to need. <laughs> that was that. <laughs> well, thank you very much. Uh, Nick Eismendi, Sir Nick Dragon of the Four Domains in Waterford, Michigan, 21482. Uh, it's a birthday call out of some sort. Count my donation as a vote for Easter in your poll. Okay. All right. So that's the 82 cents. Now, yes, we did a poll, which we'll, the second half, of the, when we get to the second donation segment, we'll discuss and see who won. Uh, Easter versus 420 versus Earth Day, based on the donations. It's yep. a straw poll. It's, you know, doesn't, yep. it's, it's reflective. We've got one vote for Easter here, so we got to make sure to note that. Adam, if you could, please wish the smoking hot Mary Cordero, a happy birthday today. She's on the list. We'll make it happen. Lastly, can I get a John's going to get get hums the no, Sunday time. John, oh, John's going <laughs> to hum the, the Sunday, Sunday times. times. That's right. And he, I don't know if you can find that. And he's Trump. He's Trump, the president. Karma. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Love the show. I highly recommend attending a Michigan local one. Meet up soon as we've been meeting long before it was cool. I was at the first of these meetings, uh, and because we are number one, uh, and the designation came from me. So. Can you just imagine so, someone's, you know, like, hey, you know, you got to listen to this podcast, and then they hear, can I get a John's going to hum the Sunday Times? <laughs> John's going to hum the Sunday Times. 
He's Trump. He's Trump, the president. You've got karma. I can find anything. Baron Dirty Dick. <laughs> Baron Dirty Dick Bangs of D.C. in Arlington, Virginia. $200. Yeah, the Baron. You guys have been putting out straight fire. I've got, I have the same. This is a PayPal uh, weird character Unicode. Well, we've been putting out. Stop putting out, well, you whore. Put it out, man. <laughs> Stop putting I out, just John. I found out this interesting fact. Old millennials are now referred to as zillennials. I don't think so. Uh, you, I, I need some. I check this tonight. I have older millennials, and they they never heard that because we do have the Generation Z, which is younger than millennials, and so I don't think the Z would be incorporated into millennial moniker. Doesn't make sense, mm. but it's possible. You guys recently wished my two-year-old Archer Campbell Bangs a happy birthday and gave Big Brother Barrett Bangs, three years old, a call out as well yes. for being a loyal listener uh, on episode one 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 nine. Welp. We created two little monsters. Every day we listen. Every day we listen to episode one 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 nine. Kids, <laughs> I want to hear it again. Listen to that episode again. I want to watch Little Mermaid again. So that's uh, my daughter used to watch. I think it was you. Don't have to tell JC. me. What? It was JC. JC used to watch. Uh, what's that? The Charlotte's Web <laughs> cartoon over and over, over and over and over. I would come into Christina's room at night, and the you know uh, Little Mermaid would be playing, and I'd turn on, and she'd be asleep. I turn off the VCR, and she go, "Hey, hey, turn that back on!" I was watching. <laughs> it's just kids, kids, kids. Can't kill them. Uh, give them everywhere. Give Archer Bangs and Barrett Bangs a big congratulations for becoming big brothers to Colton Reed Bangs. Adam, spice it up however you see it. Maybe uh, the sad party horn from your 10-year anniversary archer actually laughed so hard he snarfed his yogurt at your goat scream for his birthday. <laughs> uh, here's Okay, so who's the new human resource? The, uh, Colton. 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 All right. <laughs> And that's the real reason I'm writing. Thank you for your karma. Over the past 24 months, my mother beat cancer. My wife and I constructed our dream house in the People's Republic of D.C., which also became my official protectorate of the barony. Earlier this year, we also welcomed our third masculine human resource on Good Friday. And I got a new job, turned one down, too. Wow. Uh, after this week in a patch that will keep me home 80% of the time as opposed to on the road 80% of, the, of my current job. Maybe it's random number theory, but that's a lot of karma to come true. Cancer, new home, new human resource did he, jobs. Did he or request? maybe it's because I have my sanity thanks to you two. Either way, it works. Sorry for the long note, NJNK. I was wondering, did he request karma for each of those individual cases? He might have. I don't know. Karma's Probably. a crazy thing. Crazy He's thing. He's come and gone. He's an old Eagle Scout. Yes. He's smart. Huh. Anyway, so that concludes our uh, wait, list wait, wait, of did, Hey, 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 wait, wait, wait. P.S. John, I'm cracking a 1998 Chateau Montrose Easter Sunday to celebrate Colton's birth. Is that a, a good wine? The 98 Montrose, let me think, as <laughs> I have had most of these vintages. Uh, I would say that's going to be a spectacular product, yeah. Oh, lovely. 
Fantastic. I mean, Montrose was interesting because their, their greatest years was 89. I'm going to go into it. They're great. It's good. I can write off my Montrose. Uh, the 89 and 90, which for some unknown reason, back in the day, they Chapinese had this wine buyer who would be putting, they'd be putting Montrose and Margot's on the wine list, and they were cheap. By cheap, I mean less than $100, and that's outrageous, especially for those two vintages. And what it indicated to me, every time I see these wineries, they have a certain quality of wine, and all of a sudden, it jumps through the roof as the best wine ever. Then the winery is sold, like, within two years. Well, that's how you want to do it. That's what they do, and they all do it, which shows you how much how good wine can be at some of these places that no, normally don't care. I mean, Montrose has always been a quality product, but they didn't care this much before. The 98 is under the newer ownership, and they were uh, ah, just getting okay. started. I think they bought them in 95, mm. I think. Yeah, I'm not sure, but I'm, I'm pretty sure it was around that era. And then uh, the 98, which I, ha- I have, I vaguely remember, but the 98s of, were, are interesting Bordeaux because they were super hyped. And then they never really panned out as much as they were super hyped. And the 99s in many cases were better. But I'd say it's going to be a great bottle of wine. What other podcast brings you wine information <laughs> to that detail? There is only one and you need to support it. Dvorak.org. Slash N-A. Now you can take that out there and say, you know what, I got a good one. Hey, propagate the formula. Our formula is this. We go out, we hit people in the mouth. Long walk. Shut up, slave. So we have Earth Day on Monday, and... Uh, Apparently, I looked at it this morning, a new video went viral, and within 48 hours, racked up 20 million views. Gosh, it reminds me of something. Remember that, uh, what was that guy? Kill that guy in Africa. Yes, yes, Coney, Coney 2012, Coney 2012. 2012. Thank you, which also just skyrocketed. Yeah, because these are fake. This is... (laughs) I'm going to. I was at a seminar once with the. It was a journalism se, a journalism seminar, and some kid was there, and he talked about how the game, how he says he could do this. There's ways of creating a bot network and a rotating IP uh, accounts that you can game YouTube and rack the numbers up to the millions. Well, that's, I think there's a lot of these. There must be a service that you can get. I would think so. I don't know what it is, but but there's a way to get like millions and millions of hits and there's a way to scam them out of money. That's what they've changed in their a lot of their models if they suspect this is going on. And that Coney 2012 thing, that those numbers were jumping. It wasn't what was the reason for it? There was no reason for it. It and, was bull crap. And you remember uh, the guy behind the organization? It was all really I have to look into it. it was sketchy, but there were big celebrities involved. And then yeah. and then the kid went nuts and was running around naked jumping naked, on cars right. he had and some uh, some he, issue. He had a meltdown. Bath salts. Here's Clooney from 2012. I want uh, I'd like indicted war criminals to enjoy the same level of celebrity as me. That seems fair. That's our objective, is to just shine a light on it. If our goal is to get Coney's name known, the known should join us. We are targeting 20 of the most diverse and influential culture makers to speak out about Coney and make him famous. 
Well, this is a, a set model now, and uh, taking over the reins from Clooney, who is under command and control of Amal, and just needs to shut up and do whatever she tells him to. What did he do recently? Came out of the woodwork for something. Yeah. We just talked about it. We had a call, the call Clooney jingle. I know. I can't even remember what it was for. It, had to, it was in Sudan again. No, 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 no. Um, it was, oh, Media Freedom? Oh, no, uh, no, no. no the chat room no, should know. It was the the luxury hotels owned by the Sultan of Brunei. Oh, right. The Brunei guy. Yeah, right. Which was yeah, all. Boycott the Dorsets. Right, 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 right. So now Leonardo DiCaprio, uh, DiCaprio has taken over, has taken over the reins. And for Earth Day, he has put together quite the organization. Now, there are a couple of uh, websites you need to look at, but it, it this really is coming from his. Um, Oh, there's a name for it. It's a special kind of foundation. Oh, Tina would be kicking me in the ass if I did. It's the donor. It's like, it's, oh, help me now. It's, I have no idea what you're talking about. You're allowed to do the, a new kind of structure, a new kind of foundation, a donor, donor advised foundation. That's what it is. A donor advised foundation. When you, you put Never all, heard of it. Yeah, it's a big deal. It's a tax thing. Uh, this is what uh, Mark Zuckerberg did. Donor advised uh, foundation. Where it's really a profit-making enterprise, but you don't control anymore how it, um, how the money is spent or where the profits go. Uh, but you can di- you can dictate where um, certain donations go to. It's it's a, it's a it's a tax thing, and I'll have to look it up. But it's the, right, well. the Leonardo. Yeah, it's it's a it's a new thing with all the celebs and the rich people. So it's the Leonardo, Leonardo so DiCaprio. So there was some borderline scam. I I feel it, well. There's pluses if and minuses. If celebs are doing it, it's a borderline scam, <laughs> probably. So we love the Earth dot org, and then there's the Action Network are involved in this, and my favorite, the Carbon Tax dot org people, and they and they somehow even Rock the Vote has gotten into this group. And they got Lil Dicky, who you would think is, oh, it's just some kind of rapper. Well, Lil Dicky is a highly educated rapper who uh, worked at uh, Silverstein Goodby for many years. He's an advertising guy. But then he had this side career of, um, of being a hip-hopper rapper, and he's had some success. But this has to be his most successful um, move to date. He put together a song... Uh, made for Earth Day and climate change. And it's called Earth. And it is a highly produced, extremely expensive, I think, just looking at what they did, animated a la Disney, like really, you know, animals, and all the animals are celebrities, Ariana Grande, Justin Bieber, Snoop Dogg, Kevin Hart, Adam Levine, you know, just goes on the and usual on. Usual suspects. Yeah, so it's it's a it's almost like a Disney movie where you have the usual suspects, where you have celebrities who are the voices and they're singing. Now, a couple things about this: it starts off with a, a real life, although it's 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 a set, but very very uh, beautifully shot and done. Um, and you can just listen to the audio and you'll understand this as the setup for this uh, seven-minute video. Millions in California are dealing with the dangers of extreme heat and rapidly spreading wildfires. 103 degrees in downtown Los Angeles, 112 in Burbank, as climate change continues to yield record temperatures. Get out of the road! Relax, dude. 
overheated or something. All right, so we hear the news report. Los Angeles is kind of on fire. The bus overheated. <laughs> and the, the movie I was looking for is Lion King. It's, it's like the Lion King, only it's got everything's animated. And I pulled... So what... Do you recall that we were talking about people being, particularly uh, Democrat left lefties, being so frustrated and angry about everything in the world that they've resorted to cussing and swearing a lot? Yes, we discussed this this phenomenon, and we've identified this. We've we've identified it returning when they're really really off the hook. This is the problem with this video. There is so much lewdness, so many f bombs. So many really? we- oh yeah, oh yeah i mean i'm I'm just going to play three short clips, but the whole thing is filled with cussing and and curse words and well uh, let's see what do I have here uh we're going to play the okay here's the some of the animal uh, some of the animals the animal intros. Hi. Now, can you hear what he's saying? Hi, I'm about... There's a problem with this whole song is it's all auto-tuned to shit. And- yes, yeah, auto-tuned so you can't understand a word. Well, you will understand. Once you get into it, I'll, so I'll just give you the first one. Hi, I'm a baboon. I'm something. Yeah, and, I heard it. And my, an- that, and my anus is much. and my anus is huge, is what he said. Hi, I'm a baboon. I'm like a man just less advanced and my anus is huge. So you kind of see what's going on here. They introduce a lot of cussing. I don't know what that huge anus has got to do with anything. Oh, and but when you see the video, the 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 shot, the animated, actually zooms into the the baboon's butt, and then we're in his anus, and then we go to the next scene. Now the thing is weird. You have you have to see it. Now sounds unhinged. Now listen to this. Like let's all just chill. Respect what we built. Like look at the internet is cracking as hell. Fellas, don't you let it come on you have sex? And now our women orgasms are better than a dick's. So what we got is land for. It's you know women's orgasms are better than dicks. Now it's it's like a Disney animated thing. It's it, I thought it was for kids. And now we'll wind it up where uh, we take it to the conclusion. I'd somehow I meant to clip that closer. I don't want all this bullshit here. Hold on. Shit. Here we go. Come on, everybody. I know we're not all the same, but we're living on the same earth. Have you ever been to Earth? Everyone. 
anyone who's listening has been to Earth, Ariana, we're not making music for aliens here. Are we gonna die? You know what, Bieber? We might die. I'm not gonna lie to you. I mean, there's so many people out there who don't think global warming's a real thing. You know, we gotta save this planet. We're being stupid. Unless we get our shit together now. Guys, everybody look into whatever the fuck Leonardo DiCaprio is always pushing, because I feel like that guy knows more about the Earth and how we're fucking it up than anybody. Like, if the aliens did come, we should definitely send Leo as our guy, our rep. In fact, the profits that come along with the streams and the sale of this song are going right into the Earth. Let's raise some money for charity. Any words, Leo? This might be my favorite song ever. It's awesome. Wow. Thanks, Leo. My favorite song ever? Yeah. And he, he produced the whole thing. Wow. Yeah. This is why, you know, this brings me back to why, you know, you shouldn't let uh, the the inmates run the asylum. <laughs> I mean, this is where suits come in handy. Yeah. yeah. It's like, you can't do this. It's terrible. That's the worst thing imaginable. And how's that helping the situation? Well, I'm not. I'm not sure. Well, besides getting people to to sign up and to be aware, I'm just I'm confused as to why all of this effort and all these celebrities went went into this project, and they just you know put in all kinds of I think inappropriate content for young children. Who isn't that who they're speaking to? Isn't that who the main well, that's audience? Who they should be trying to brainwash. Yeah, but that's, that's but, the goal. But to do it that way just seems like it's offensive. It's just it's an obscene production. I don't get it. It doesn't make sense why you want to do it that way. And it's and there's some triggering moments. Uh, you know, the zebra's there, and then the lion cub comes in. But what happens is the lion cub falls onto the zebra, and two lions, and they eat the zebra. What they're ripping it apart, yeah, and and then you know, the cub says, "I like to you're get trying licked." Trying to traumatize the children, it's something like that. It's very bizarre. Now it's getting a lot of attention. It's it's getting a lot of attention. So this is you know that always works. Uh, but this clearly Has anyone called them out for this for this abomination. Well, I, it's Easter. <laughs> There's no one working. Who's going to call anybody out on Easter? Everything's pre-recorded. Bunch of numbnuts on television. No, of course not. But it, it'll it, they're get they're going to get the attention they wanted. And I think they may play it like this. Well, we needed to get your attention. No, and we had to resort to severe tactics. I, what else could you come up with? What other I, I mean, excuse? I think, I think what you said would be the Curry Devorah Consulting Company's <laughs> a saving approach. How do we save this mess? The Curry Devorah Crisis Communications Christ, Company, Crisis Consulting <laughs> Company. I think that would be where that comes from. But I think there, no. If you could produce something like that, you have to have your head up your ass, and so you're going to be. You're going to be sensitive about criticism. Right. What? We didn't mean to do that. No, you're not getting. You missed the point. You're you're horrible. Well, they're going to be uh, defensive. They're going really, to be defensive. really. No, no, they're going to say you don't get it. How about that? You well, just that don't could, get it. That can happen. You that don't always get. Happen. You know why? Old white male. You don't get it. You're not hip, like little yeah, Dicky. Even the guy's name, little Dicky. Jeez. All right. Now I have some serious uh, climate change news. As there was an important news story uh, coming out of James Cook University in Australia, which has been problematic in the entire climate change hoax. Let's just call it what it is. Scam. 
Um, you know, we've had multiple Australian news reports where they're very happy that some of these guys got kicked out because they just were just insane. But turns out James Cook University is all in and deep. And there was a lawsuit about a scientist uh, who was fired because he did not agree with the all-in message of the Great Barrier Reef. Uh, what does this scientist study? Mm-hmm. The Great Barrier Reef. And I have to say, I've heard for several years now, it's dying, the reef is dying, it's over. And it, I kind of took it at face value. It's like, oh, I guess it's happening. I don't know if it's climate change, but it's dying. Is that Was that your impression? Well, I was told this. I, I've never really uh, looked into it, mm-hmm. and I. And, but the, but the message was exactly what you say. It's dead. It's dying. We're all going to die because of it. It's a, oceans warming up, and obviously nothing. You know, you heat something. You heat up Canada, by the way, and the next <laughs> thing you know, as, everybody's dead. Instead <laughs> of them growing more stuff, being getting into agriculture. I mean, if Canada heated up, it would seem to me. To turn Canada into the mid our Midwest, and they would they would pro, uh, they would prosper, but apparently not. You need carbon tax up there. And by the way, I just wanted an aside. Apparently, I was off on my carbon tax analysis. Oh, and so I was instead of a dollar per gallon, it should be more closer to twenty five cents or less. Yeah, I got a note according to one of our Albertan uh, producers. Yeah, I, I, yes, okay. Uh, this is the news report. Barrier Reef scientist Peter Ridd who won a court victory uh, against his dismissal from James Cook University in Australia. Fantastic news today for freedom of speech. As I've said here several times, Professor Peter Ridd is a Great Barrier Reef expert who was sacked shamefully by James Cook University for questioning claims by colleagues that the reef was being destroyed by global warming. He was sacked for saying things like this. We can no longer trust the scientific organisations like the Australian Institute of Marine Science, even things like the ARC Centre of Excellence for Coral Reef Studies. A lot of this stuff is coming out, which the science is coming out, not properly checked, tested or replicated. And this is a great shame because we really need to be able to trust our scientific institutions. Well, the federal court today ruled that RID sacking was unlawful. Joining me is Gideon Rosen, the Policy Director of the Institute of Public Affairs, which has supported Rudd's fight for free speech. Gideon, thank you so much for joining me. What did the judge find exactly? Well, the judge uh, found essentially that every action the university took against Peter, whether it be the censures, whether it be the gag orders, and whether it be, in fact, his final sacking, were all invalid. They were all uh, measures that shouldn't have happened because they overrode and contravened uh, Peter's right to free speech and free intellectual expression that's contained in his EBA. So all of what Peter suffered from talking out against the climate change orthodoxy, everything that he was hit by for speaking against the uh, so-called settled science that the reef was in danger was all found to be invalid because he was protected for free expression so i got a i found an interview with uh, this peter peter uh ridd and i have a few very short clips all around 40 seconds um this guy was a he was a professor for 30 years he's been with the college for 30 with the university I, for I, 30 before years before you play this i want to mention that i'm run into a lot of experts on climate and other meteorological um and we run into these guys mm-hmm. doing the show uh they all say the same thing they, they can't say anything because they get fired they get kicked out they get this is like a more like a, it's beyond just a hoax oh yeah 
Oh, yeah. Well, and so th- and th- this is a good example. This guy who is the expert can't even use say he can't even use his own expertise because he's, he's going against the orthodoxy. Well, let's start with that question first off. A couple of years. Of, Oops. Is the Great Barrier Reef dying? No, look, the, the reef is in fantastic shape. I, I often say that it, of all the ecosystems in the world, possibly the, with the exception of Antarctica, the Great Barrier Reef is one of the best preserved there is. So, Peter, what would you say to the naysayers and the usual suspects who would paint you as somebody who doesn't care about the environment? Well, you know, I come from an, an environmentalist family. Right from a very early age, you know, I've been in environmental organisations. I used to be president of the local branch of the Wildlife Preservation Society. I'm an environmentalist. Yeah, you know, that's not good enough because you weren't towing the line. And he says it clearly. He says, well, it's, everything's great. Barrier Reef is better than ever. But uh, what happened to him is incredible. A couple of years of some fairly horrible times of, of essentially being chased, having your emails uh, read, uh, extremely officious meetings. Um, the, the administrations wouldn't talk to me. It was all done through lawyers. Um, stuff to my wife wasn't allowed. It was like being hunted, actually. Mm. And you'd get these brown paper envelopes and your heart would race and I'd literally be sweating profusely until you'd read through a, you know, yet another batch of allegations made against you. It was a, just a horrible time, absolutely horrible time. Reading his emails, all these crazy meetings. Come here, tell us what you, exactly what you did. And meanwhile, is there any good science being, uh, being performed at this uh, James Cook University? The basic problem is that we can no longer trust the scientific organisations like the Australian Institute of Marine Science, even things like the ARC Centre of Excellence for Coral Reef Studies. A lot of this is stuff is coming out, which the science is coming out, not properly checked, tested or replicated. And this is a great shame because we really need to be able to t- trust our scientific institutions. And the fact is I do not think we can anymore. I think that most most of the scientists who are pushing out this stuff, they genuinely believe uh, that there are problems with the reef. I just don't think they're very objective about the, the science they do. I think they're emotionally attached to their subject. Yeah, yeah I, th- I think we agree with you. And then finally, what does this really result in within the universities? Well, we already alluded to it, as we have many times in the past. If you can get a person where you can monitor all their communications you can isolate them you can then crush them psychologically mm. it's the it's the old trick of any totalitarian regime that's what they do and this is unfortunately what's happened to universities now they've become very authoritarian organizations that are run by the administrators rather than by academics but this this is a place of higher learning this is a a place of open, supposedly, of open intellectual inquiry. Uh, And that's the problem. If this was a company, well, they sort of own you, right? But this is a university, and if these sorts of... A public institution, public money Mm. is being used here, and to use that to do these sorts of things is a disgrace Mm. uh, to what a university should actually be. Would it be fair to say that in the 21st century at our universities, the old ethic of the search for the truth, at the very least, has been diluted. I, I think that's definitely true, yeah. I mean, it's, it's in the funding as well, that you've just got to go along with what's ever the, whatever's the flavour of the month. And what in particular attracts the most funding? <laughs> I, I can hazard a guess, but... <laughs> yeah, well, you've got, to, you've got to say climate change at least half a dozen times in any, any application to have any chance at all. 
Currently, uh, Professor Ridd is learning to code. <laughs> <laughs> well, I got a global warming story that CBS decided to push out. Okay. Uh, and there's a real good little gotcha in here, too, that you might pick up on. Uh, pollen count and global warming BS CBS. Pollen counts across the country are exploding. 30% of the country tonight is in the medium-high range. The areas in red here on your screen are where it's worst. Errol Barnett reports from North Carolina. When an annual ride of spring collided with an incoming thunderstorm in North Carolina recently, the pictures looked like Armageddon, or Palmageddon, as photographer Jeremy Gilchrist described his drone footage showing tree pollen hovering in the atmosphere. It left a thick, yellow pollen film, everything outside coated by the male flower seed. So, Doctor, these are the culprits right now, anyway. Yeah, these are the bad actors you see. So, sort of the tallest ones there, the big towering pine trees. A recent study analyzed pollen data from 17 locations across the globe and found that climate change may be making things worse. Allergist Dr. David Fitzhugh. You know, as we see climate change evolving, allergy seasons tend to start earlier, they tend to last longer, and the absolute pollen counts are much higher. Last week, the pollen count in North Carolina was the highest of the year at more than 3,200 grains per cubic meter of air, or very high. And this video from Tennessee shows just how much pollen is visible throughout the South. That's bad news for the more than 50 million Americans with seasonal allergies. So this is because of climate change that we're all having these issues? Well, I got the biggest kick out of that little thing he said near the end. And he said it in a hysterical way, hysteric way. He goes, and this is the highest it's been in the year. Hold on. And this video from Tennessee shows just how much pollen is visible throughout the South. That's bad news for the more. No, it was before that, I guess. No, it's after. Oh. More than 50 million Americans with seasonal allergies. No. Oh, well, maybe not. No. Well, anyway. the, the point is, is that at any point during a year, there's a moment when something's the highest of the year. Well, of course. Of course. So yes. so saying something, oh, it's the highest it's ever been this year. <laughs> it's always going to be some point during the year. There's always going to be a moment where it's the highest. You don't make that a big giant point. It's just the way it is. It's always also a day when it's the lowest. But that doesn't mean anything if it was went from if the, the highest is a small amount or a big amount. Yeah. It, it just to, to me, to use that phrase, it's the highest it's ever been this year. <laughs> that's, that's great. Well, I'm an expert in, on the topic. And I must say, we have, uh, we're right in the trees in the, the back of the house. I have had almost zero issues. And I'm thinking... Liar! I, no, I'm thinking again that the biggest problem is construction. In downtown Austin is continuously under under construction and the pollen picks up you know god knows what it's picking up construction stuff and of course whatever the drug companies throw into the air just around the timing of the advertising buy but otherwise it's pretty good here i'm i'm feeling i'm feeling good i'll knock on wood but i'm feeling pretty good you have the heap is all over the place no no, no, no. What do you mean, no? No, I just have the, you know, we have regular HVAC system, and it's a, but we have the door open, screen door open. There's no problem. I have not had a problem. Huh. Yeah, and it's pollen season. Well, according to this report, 
I you should, should be, be dying. having a problem. I should be the, yeah. it's, it's longer lasting. You know, the funny thing is they talk about this longer lasting. I used to be have allergies. I don't I haven't had any problem in the last 20 years. Hmm. Well, of course, I don't even have a mailbox. So, you know, I, I have all kinds of issues. <laughs> <laughs> there was a report, by the way, there was an interesting report came from the NOAA, the National Oceanic Atmospheric Administration. They have 114, speaking of rural, rural temperature monitoring stations in the U.S. Uh, since 2002. And what we've seen, 2018 was 0.3 degrees Fahrenheit colder than the first two years measured in 2002. February and March 2019 combined are the coldest two-month period ever recorded in in, in temperature anomaly. We don't hear that. Yeah. I'll send you the link. It's a very interesting. I'm not. I don't believe it. (laughs) That's right. Well, I've got a video I want you to see then. It's animated. <laughs> I we since we're doing these uh, the current study that we just did the Earth Day we didn't do anything on four twenty. I should talk, talk a little bit about it first of all. Let's talk about uh, which was yesterday. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about legalize it polls that CBS pointed out, which I think was kind of revealing. On the eve of four twenty, the day some in this country celebrate marijuana, a new CBS News poll shows sixty five percent of Americans think pot should be legal. That is up six points from last year. Compare that to 1979 when we first asked this question in a CBS News poll, only 27% favored legal marijuana. Okay. Yeah, why would that be? I almost... I almost Brainwashing. I, sh- I should have clipped it. There was a, a report I saw this morning that uh, the marijuana industry is racist. <laughs> yeah, wow, it's racist why? against black people. Yes, and black people—they deserve to be running the industry because it's because Why? of well, they the 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 crux was because of the high uh, cost of uh, licensing, and I, I mean now I'm pissed. I should have I should have clipped it. The reporter said, um, you know, white people, no, black people don't have don't necessarily have friends and family they can go to and ask for tens of thousands of dollars. One of the most racist things I've ever heard. I was disgusted by the whole report, which is why I didn't clip it. But now you bring this up. It's like, geez. Well, but that, so San Francisco has this 420 celebration, which they've had for decades. Yeah. Uh, and, of course, 420 is a reference to uh, one of the schools in Marin County that always smoked pot. Or its kids snuck out of high school, I think, to smoke pot on, on April 20th. And it's kind of been lost in the shuffle the origins of this 420 deal don't forget it's but, also hitler's birthday oh i didn't yeah i forgot i didn't i did forget mm-hmm. now um so san francisco has a big part of golden gate park a big part uh and people and it's fenced in and people go there to smoke openly smoke pot and they've been doing this for some years and it's been even before it was legalized they were doing it even though the crowds are nothing like they are today. And the, there was a picture in the newsletter of last year's group. Mm. And it's like a, you know, to the horizon, bunch of guys, mostly with a few women, you know, smoking some doobies. <laughs> hey, man, do you have any uh, more? <laughs> and I just think it, this is like the the dumbest event 
I can imagine. It's like a smoking, I guess. Like a, they used to have it in colleges for before a football game, and everyone smoked cigars. But I just, what is the point of this? Can't you just have a few pals and go smoke some? Why do you have to be in Golden Gate Park with a with probably ten thousand people smoking pot? Unless you're just looking for a contact high and you don't want to smoke it at all. I don't know. It's California, John. What do you want me to say? They're weird. <laughs> They're just weird. It's nothing you can say about it. I'll tell you this, the park's got no poop, man. <laughs> yeah, it's except it's got tons of poop, man. No, there's no poop. Uh, the poop has gotten worse. I was reading it in the in your local gazette. Yeah, yeah. Like, They're setting new records for human poop. Here it is. People are pooping more now than ever on the streets of, from SF Gate, on the streets of San Francisco. It's because it's been determined to be free speech. Pooping? Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah, look it up. Yeah, some judge says it's free speech and tried to, they got <laughs> rounded some guys up for pooping on Wait the streets. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Now it's free speech. No, you're kidding me. That's free speech is what they think of the city government. Yeah, I, ha- I have to. See, I have to see some legal documentation of this. Uh, right, of this I'll conclusion. Try to something up because I was pooping I was is free speech. This is fantastic. Yeah, I mean, pooping on the street is free speech. I mean, we. This needs to go to the Supreme Court. We already had the whole is money free speech uh, argument. Now we have to determine if poop is pooping is free speech. <laughs> yeah, free speech. Wow. I love it. You took me by surprise there, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> Pooping is free speech. It's too long for a title, but it's it's in the in the region of what we're looking for. Yeah, that's true. Okay, back to some real news for just a second. Uh, let's check in with our good friend Wesley Clark, General Wesley Clark, to remind ourselves of all the countries on the West Clark Seven. This was information he received not long after nine uh, eleven, uh, and which countries were going to be targeted. And we've been tracking these for, well, for quite a while now. So I came back to see him a few weeks later. And by that time, we were bombing in Afghanistan. I said, are we still going to war with Iraq? And he said, oh, it's worse than that. He said, he reached over on his desk. He picked up a piece of paper. And he said, I just, he said, I just got this down from upstairs, meaning the Secretary of Defense office today. And he said, this is a memo that describes how we're going to take out seven countries in five years starting with Iraq and then Syria, Lebanon, Libya, Somalia, Sudan, and finishing off Iran. Okay. Uh, This report I've been holding on to for at least a week and a half, just because I wanted to make sure we played it, because you won't hear about it on what pathetically is called news. Sudanese dictator Omar al-Bashir has been overthrown and arrested after almost three decades in power. Months of demonstrations intensified when the army took the side of the protesters. Bashir is also wanted by the International Criminal Court for war crimes and crimes against humanity committed in Darfur. While speaking on state TV this afternoon, the defence minister Awad ibn Uf said the army had decided to oversee a two-year transition period ahead of elections. As Defence Minister, I declare the fall of the regime and the placing of its leader in a safe place following his arrest. I also declare the creation of a transitional military council which will govern the country for two years. The 2015 constitution has been suspended. We will put in place a state of emergency for three months and a curfew for one month. So this is not an unimportant country. But I have an overarching question. Where's Clooney? 
didn't he have the satellite, his eye in the sky, and now there's a, a coup that has not only gone unreported <laughs> in the news, but Clooney isn't all over it with his Sentinel project? Well, I don't know what the Sentinel project would have. That was really trying to keep an eye on the villages uh, in South Sudan, I think. <laughs> I'm not mistaken. Uh-huh. And yeah, no, this came up. Uh, we actually had a clip, a uh, Sudan update. Talking about this this overthrow did, did of this we guy. Play this that? guy is a bad actor. I mean, he should have been overthrown years ago, but they couldn't vote him out because the the so called democracies in Africa aren't really democracies. They're just you know ways for one guy to get in power and then stay there. Did we play this this Sudan update? I guess we did. Yeah, we did. Let me play it again. It's only 38 seconds. In Sudan, the ruling military council announced today that it will not extradite deposed leader Omar al-Bashir, but will try him at home instead. Gee, well, you was on the ball. I don't even remember. Are you sure we played that? I have a feeling we didn't play it. We may not have played it, but I did That's what I'm thinking. That's what I'm thinking. Well, good. And we basically had the clip about Sudan we've been sitting on for two weeks. Well, we're like the news media in that regard. Thanks, Mueller. Yeah, thanks, Mueller. (laughs) The uh, we need to thank some. We get Fletcher to yell one out. I got something else. What did I Fletcher, get? Yell thanks, <laughs> Mueller. That'd be good. We can use that. I got. Uh, wait a minute. I got a thing. Who sent this to me? Uh... Oh, we need yeah. a Mueller shout out. Are you fed up yet? Well, you'll be happy to know we heard from the Kremlin today about the Mueller report. Any collusion? I'm here to tell you, you're not crazy. There's nothing new here. We're fine. Obstruction. Allegations of collusion. I'm sorry, of collusion. Any collusion? No collusion. No obstruction. Any collusion? Obstruction. Put another way, the special counsel found no collusion. Obstruction. And so there's a lot of daylight between there's nothing to see here, there's nothing wrong, and there's enough of- no, I thought there was more Mueller in that. It's Tom Starkweather. No. Yeah, that's right. I think your I think your uh, your intuition is spot on. We need Fletcher to say Mueller. 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 It's got to be Mueller. Yeah, it'd be better. No, you know, not Mueller. I'm thinking maybe we already have this. Mm. I don't think so. Maybe, but play the CBS. Here's the CBS weekend, and this is the latest. Uh, this was from yesterday. And this is their latest thoughts on the impeachment thing. And it essentially is our basic thesis of calling for impeachment, but really never executing and doing this instead. Massachusetts Senator Elizabeth Warren is the first major presidential candidate to mention impeaching Mr. Trump. But other 2020 hopefuls say there's a better option. If we really want to send uh, Trumpism into the history books, uh, the best thing we can do is defeat it decisively at the ballot box in 2020. On Monday, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi is planning to hold a conference call with Democrats to go over the findings in the Mueller report, what she calls a grave matter. David Pelosi says they will also talk about, quote, the next steps that must be taken. (sighs) Well, Pelosi's concern, as you had in that when she did her 2006, by the way, it was not. (laughs) Yeah, it was was 13 years, not 23. 13 years ago. I was wrong. Yeah. She did her interview and she talked about this because they were trying to impeach Bush, which I didn't really realize until I listened to that whole interview in much the same way they're doing here. The mm-hmm. Democrats over. And she says it's just going to harm the party because you you just like you can't do this. You can't just impeach some guy because you don't like him, which is what's going on. If you don't like somebody, I mean, it's just like I'm going to get back to my wine stories. 
If you're at a restaurant and you refuse and you send a bottle back, you can't send it back and expect to get a new bottle for free just because you don't like it. <laughs> you can only send a bottle back if it's damaged. Right. Or that cork, means it's or corked, corked or yeah. it's bubbling or it, it stinks to high heaven. It smells like dog poop. <laughs> Things like that. You can send the bottle back and they take the bottle and get you another bottle. But you can't say, oh, you know, I, I, I don't like this wine. Well, you can't. That's no good. Uh, and that's what they're, they're doing. And, it, and it, the public, I think, doesn't like it. I think the, pub, the Democrats are hurting their, their chances in 2020 to an extreme with this, this mania. Well, they're bringing out the big guns for this. Uh, and I think it's very similar to uh, climate change. I think we'll see something very similar with the vaccinations as well. We're going to have the anti-vaxxers. This is picking up a lot of steam. Um, you know, now you can't crowd uh, crowdfund, GoFundMe, if you, I guess if you even say that you are uh, skeptical, you know, deep defunding, deplatforming going on everywhere. But the mind control, and I believe this may be a big mistake, the mind control which was set into motion in the 70s on the American public, but I would say the world at large, because I watched this show when I was growing up in the Netherlands. It had subtitles. Uh, in fact, Meathead was known as Meatball, translated to Dutch, Gehaktball, instead of um, Meathead, would be Gehakthoofd, uh, all in the family. They're going to reboot it. And Every time someone says this, I always like to comment, it's been rebooted. It's called Family Guy. <laughs> uh, it's the same show. And so just to explain a no agenda theory for those who haven't heard it, the character Lewis Carroll played, Archie Bunker, was at the time, and John, you can attest to it more than I can, because um, I think you one point said it was very much like your dad, but that yeah. that was what a Democrat was like, except... A Democrat, in- the working class... In the United States during that Archie Bunker era, working man, <clears throat> bitching and moaning about one thing or another, they were always Democrats. There was no way a guy like that would have been a Republican. It, that's just a blatant lie. And it was the, the Republicans were all the kind of they were always considered and thought of as the kind of the white collar guy, skinny, you know, maybe a pocket protector, uh, you know, business guy, guy who owned the, the local stores. He wasn't right. a working guy. The working right. guys were all Democrats. They're all union guys. And Archie Bunker was one of them. He was a he would be a Democrat by any standards whatsoever. But because uh, I'm because sorry, Carol the, O'Connor, not Lewis Carroll. Carol O'Connor. Yeah, Carol O'Connor. Mistake. Yeah. Lewis Carroll is the writer. Yes. Anyway, uh, uh <clears throat> Because the Lear folks, Lear Foundation, you know, were so they were Democrats and union members themselves, but they couldn't bring themselves to ridiculing a de- fellow Democrats, so they made him a Republican just arbitrarily. It's bullcrap. Here's the report. Some of you may remember the hit sitcoms, All in the Family, The Jeffersons. Well, ABC has announced that they are airing a live classic episode from each of those shows with an all-star cast. Woody Harrelson and Marissa Tomei will play Archie and Edith Bunker. And Jamie Foxx is set to move on up and play George Jefferson. Norman Lear, uh, who created these series, along with Jimmy Kimmel, is going to be presiding over this. I conducted uh, the last interview with Carol O'Connor, and he talked 
talked about why Archie Bunker worked, and this is why I think this new iteration will not. Watch. You cannot laugh at the character you're playing. You cannot be aware that he's funny as an actor. You have to play him intensely, and you have to play him fiercely and angrily, and that's what makes him funny. And now I realize this may just be a one-off, I guess. Maybe it's a live? They're going to do a live version? Yeah, it's going to be a one-off. This live, uh, this is what... I think was it, I think it's NBC who's done a bunch of these live shows because they're no, trying a, to revive a, ABC. live television. I think it's ABC has been doing that. No, I know, but I'm saying NBC has oh, done a doing bunch of well? Broadway plays. Okay. I believe it's NBC has done these Broadway plays live, and it, and it's just like got traction. And so yeah, ABC's people like that. Thinking, oh, you know. Yeah, people like that. I think I'm pretty sure it was ABC that did the live Broadway stuff. Yeah, and they did Jesus Christ Superstar. Yeah, it was yeah. ABC. Yeah. It could be. Well, well, Disney, you know, is a little more show business yeah. than anybody, any of the other two networks. So they would be that way. That'll be, it'll be interesting to see how that, how that works. Oh, it's going to be a, I think the guy's right. It's going to be a, it's going to be a, an insulting to the public bust. You know, last night, uh, without knowing how long the oh, movie. Which stop. Let's take some, let's take some notes. I'll bet you they're going to talk about global warming. Ah! <laughs> Oh, boy. I mean, it's not really hard to figure out what they're going to do. They're going to have global warming, maybe vaccinations. Just the things you named a minute ago. Yeah, yeah, probably. What else? Uh, Trump is an idiot. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Bunker's going to have to be a huge Trump Trump, fan. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we can already we can write it ourselves. (laughs) In fact, let's let's do our own little performance uh, uh, two days before. Well, I was I was going to follow up that last night. So we're done with everything. I you know I've been moving, prepping, doing all this stuff. Like it's like nine o'clock. So oh, let's just watch a movie. And uh, Black Klansman is premiering on HBO. Not knowing this is an eighteen-hour movie, and <laughs> and we're watching it. So we didn't get through the whole thing. But twice before we stopped and had to go to bed, it was so obviously written with Trump hate. First, it was. Um. Yeah, that that racist thinks that all rapists and murderers, and it was it was completely the Trump uh, rhythm of, of what Mexicans are. And then later, um, he's talking to uh, I forget who's talking to each other, talking about oh man, this racist, really this racist stuff. Yeah, yeah. I I predict one day, one day in the future, it could happen. There would be a racist in the White House, and it was so obvious. I mean, geez, it's a historical piece, and they tie all of that history into Trump. It was Spike Lee, man. I don't know. I found it disturbing. Yeah, well, I haven't seen the movie. Uh, well, you'll have you to mentioned, now. It makes nothing but sense what you said. Yeah, you'll, 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 you definitely have to watch it. I'm, I'm going to finish it tonight or tomorrow night. It's beautifully done, and it's a point you know, long, long in the tooth. Uh, but it's just like, oh man, just get over yourself already. No, that's never gonna happen. Anyway, looking forward to uh, the re- the live reboot of All in the Family. I'm gonna show my support by donating to No Agenda. Imagine all the people who could do that. Oh yeah, that'd be fab. Yeah, on No Agenda in the morning. Yeah. 
And we do have a few people to thank for show 1131. Starting with Sophia Pandelea, I'm guessing. $150, she's in San Jose. Uh, she said she just completed an exhausting job hunting process, which culminated in a fantastic offer at a great company. I uh, wanted to share the job, and thank you guys for helping me keep my sanity. Oh, thank you. Thank you very and much. And she put some job, more job cover yeah, for her at the end. We'll get on that. Night of the Vector Realm, one eleven eleven. Uh any fun, funny jingle at the end would be good for him. Philip Veenstra, 101.80. And now we go into the competition. Yes, explain so the parameters. We had three, three things you could vote for. Earth Day, which was a vote of $84. Yeah. Uh, Easter, which is a vote of $82. These are uh, the number four times the date, which one of our producers suggested for for 420 day, which is $80. So the, so the 420 should win because it's not only the cheapest of the votes, but more with our audience, we suspect it is the most popular. Now, we already got one vote for Easter, so we're going to put to put one yes. plus one on there. Okay. So we start off with Sir Brian, the miserable IT guy, who votes for Earth Day. Oh, woohoo! I got a video for you. And he, uh, that's it. That's our one vote for Earth Day. We says it was the biggest and Earth Day is the underdog. That's true. <laughs> it is true. It is true. It is the underdog. <laughs> we expected it to be the underdog. <laughs> yes. In fact, I wouldn't be surprised if we got no votes. But we got <laughs> well, that's it. So, it was one. No, we had two. So I, one plus one, two. Two votes for Earth Day. The underdog. No, no, no. The other vote is for Easter. Oh, I'm sorry. One for Earth Day. Yeah. Now, see, fuck the Earth. Yeah, one. Okay, one. One. Okay, here we go on to Easter. Okay. Now, I'm going to, so we start with Daniel Lind in mm -hmm. Humboldt, Texas, $82. Mm -hmm. Larry Hay, uh, John Grumling, Todd Beeson, uh, happy Easter, he says. Sir Benjamin Ritgers in Boone, Iowa. Uh, Sir Bernie Adama in Hinton, Iowa. Sir Chris James, parts unknown. And last is Sir Malinowski. I count eight. Okay, that's eight plus one? No, eight total. Okay, eight. Okay, eight. Okay, that's eight. One to eight. So far. Okay, here we go. Now we go into the 80. Now, I'm not sure how to deal with these. Somebody, a couple guys came with boob donations. In fact. No, a boob does not count. Let's see what they say. No, here. no, 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 no. No, they give, if they say it counts, I'm going to give them the credit for it. No, because Tyler Fox says, Viscount Tyler Fox chiming in to say, boobs should win over weed, religion, and virtue signaling day. I mean, Earth okay, Day. Well, they, they, okay, boobs, there'd be a separate category. And we're going to count their votes as boobs. <laughs> I think boobs beats the earth. <laughs> well, boobs beats the earth. We've got Paul uh, Titel in Toronto. Uh, <laughs> 8008, Lee in Omaha, Nebraska, 8008, Tyler Fox in Austin, up the street from you, Kevin McLaughlin in Locust, North Carolina, uh, Jeffrey Steckroth, also boob, 8008, Sir Herb Lamb comes in and says, Happy Easter, or he just says best. Uh, Happy Easter comes from Dirtbag. Okay. So that's now we start six. With the Easter one. So that's One, two, six three, boobs. Six boobs. Five. Six boobs. Six boobs. That's a lot of boobs. Okay, now we got Easter. Oh, no, this is 420 day. Even though Sir Dirtbag Dave comes in at 80 and says Happy Easter, but he just gave you 80. Okay, that's one. David Nixon, 
Anthony Fields, Sir William Durkin, who also has a knighting coming up where the C stands for cadence catcher. Here's my, uh, I'm glad somebody paid attention to that. Uh, this donation takes me to Baronet. Okay, we got him marked down. And he says, before uh, my title change, I must confess, Podfather, I have sinned. I was accidentally double knighted. When I've asked for no, karma since this happen. error, it's only received bad karma. Oh, boy. I wanted meatballs and Manhattans at my knighting, but there must have been an error in the back office because Adam never included them. Could this be the source of my bad luck? What can we do to correct this problem? Oh. Knight him a third time. <laughs> okay. Done. <laughs> we'll knight him. Sure. Yeah, drop the meatballs in there. All right. It's uh, meatballs and, uh, what was it? Manhattans. All right. So I count five weed. One, two, three, four, five. Yeah, five. Tra- the last one is Travis Blevins in Portland, Oregon. Uh, donated 80 bucks for the 420 donation in celebration of the Portland meetup. Now, okay, so five to six, which yes. got the boobs got, the boobs beat it. The well, boobs beat 420. Yes, the boobs beat 420, but the over but the earth, Easter wins. Earth is completely unimportant. But Easter uh, wins. So there Easter you wins. Easter wins. Congratulations, well, Easter. I'm glad. I, I'm actually me glad too. Easter. That says a lot about our audience. I appreciate yeah, they're, that. They're, they're sane. Also, uh, you know, our audience, uh, our producers are all. I see on the on the people who hate us boards. They call us chuds. Chuds. Yeah, it's uh, Christian homeschooled uneducated dummies. <laughs> You never heard this? The chud? <laughs> no, I like it. And though. you got to do it all uppercase. Chud. And, and I saw this like, chud? What the hell is chud? Christian homeschooled, uneducated dummy. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> In fact, I think that's our title right there. Chud. I, the, I, I wrote it down for the sake of the same thing. <laughs> it's too good. <laughs> it should be chud or chuds. Uh, was this a movie? Did someone say, I'm looking at the troll chud. room. Troll Room says it was a bad Roger Corman movie. Oh, there's no such thing as a bad Roger Corman movie. <laughs> I don't even know what we're talking or about. Either that or you're being redundant. <laughs> there you go. Sir Ryan, let's continue with yes, Sir uh, Brian. Congratulations, Easter. Cut, yeah, congratulations, Easter. Sir Brian Coffin, which is today. Sir Brian Coffin, 75 75 in Scottsdale. Rick, $59. Uh, just Rick. Sir Joe Buon of Weekapog, pronounced like Obi Obi Wan Star Wars. Joe Buon, oh, Joe Buon of Weekapog. Okay, fifty nine. Uh, Walter Ulray, fifty nine. Anonymous, fifty nine. Ryan Brady in Pittsburgh, fifty nine. And what? Oh, these are all the leftover fifty nine dollar donations. Oh, oh my goodness, yes. That one, two, three, four, five, six. It almost won. <laughs> uh, Paul Webb is fifty nine. Then Sir Jeffrey Yerke over here by me, uh, fifty six seventy. I got to get a hold of him. Get back on track with our uh, our project. Chris Kincaid, fifty five ten. Can Andrew I ask you Bent. what project? Yeah, Red Fox project. Oh my god. We've been digitizing Red Fox. <laughs> as long as I've known you. <laughs> the project goes on forever. <laughs> One of these days, people, we're going to have our compact days, disc I'm done. We're going to have the Red Fox collection completed. On a compact disc. Uh, Andrew Benz, or I think it's a sir in Imperial, Missouri. Sounds right. Yeah. Uh, 
and then uh, Roger Robert Case in Millspring, anonymous Maxine Waters Gravel is it back again for fifty. <laughs> Probably going to get a knighthood eventually. <laughs> Maxine's Daniel Gravel Le- needs a Twitter account. Yeah, Daniel LeBoy in Bath, Michigan. Robert Dracosin. Oh, I'm sorry. Drakeson. I'm sorry. One. Anonymous Maxine Waters Gravel had a note, forgot to request a dedouching last donation, and I'd like to call out John's squeaky chair as a douchebag. What a freeloader. Douchebag. And I'll give a quick douche. You've been dedouched. Too funny. Get a Twitter account. Daniel LeBoy in Bath. Uh, Robert Dreykosin or Dreykosin, one of the two. Uh, 50. These are $50 donors, name and location. Matt Bull. I don't know. What do you think? Bullock? Bullock? Bulk? Uh, doesn't say how to. Bulky. Ah, he says, Adam, happy birthday wishes and a, and new apartment. Mm. I'm not paying much attention. I remember watching you both around something or other. 20 years ago a, on you TV. You have a birthday coming up? No, it's really Did late. You just have one like two months ago. No, September third. Oh, maybe it was maybe it was your late uh, birthday wish. Oh, maybe wishful uh, thinking. Andrew Fifty Gus- <laughs> wishful Sir thinking. Sir Andrew Gusick, and last but not least, George Wuchet in Universal City, Texas. Fifty. I want to thank all these folks for producing show eleven thirty one, and uh, keeps, keeps keeps things going. Thanks. Yes, and it's your program, so you are producing, and this is how it works. And thank you. We appreciate it. Certainly for this Easter. Um, Where got, nobody's listening. We have a couple of meetups that I'd like to uh, reiterate. April 27th, we have the Zurich, Switzerland meetup. May 2nd, Seattle, Washington. May 4th, Baltimore, Maryland. May 18th, Cincinnati, Ohio. The 25th of May is Eastern North Carolina, and the 25th also is Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And we talked about the Portland meetup. Uh, This is from Alyssa from the Atlanta meetup, which was the same day as uh, the Portland meetup. In the morning, John and Adam, we had the Atlanta meetup today. It was super successful. We had about 27 people show up, some from North Carolina, even one from Tennessee. Wait, was that Coble? Probably. (laughs) It was a blast. We decided to call ourselves Atlanta Local 404, which I think is approved. John, what do you think? Yeah. I like it. 404 error message sounds good. Yes, I like it. Even the Archduke Sir Herb Lamb himself was there, attached a picture of uh, most of us, including your heads on sticks and a red book we wrote our emails on. And And some good-looking women at that Atlanta group. And time codes. <laughs> yes, actually, all around a pretty group. Um, thank you for your courage for a great show, bringing people together. It was a great event, Alyssa. Also, Adam, I remember on one show a while back, you said you'd be interested in coming to an Atlanta meetup. Let me know if there's a date. If you want to come out, no pressure, of course. Yeah, um, definitely. We, we want to do a lot more meetups. And the fact that we get this stru- that we're getting this structure in place, I think, is very encouraging. Not just for the program, but for you as humans. You know, you go to Holland about once every year, maybe every once every two years, but you go. Yeah. Most of the flights go out of Atlanta, if I'm not mistaken. Go through it. Well, I've stopped doing that because I've gotten screwed too many times. But yeah, you, you can definitely fly from Atlanta to Amsterdam. And that would, so the idea would be go to Atlanta a day early 
do yeah. a meetup and then fly to uh, the Netherlands the next day. I, I think that's a, that's a valid point. Or on the way back. Yeah, I think it'd be nah. The way back, you're tired by the time you land in Atlanta. Okay. It's <laughs> just a point of order. That's all. Yes, we look forward to that. And thank you again, everybody. We need some uh, jobs karma and goat karma for those who requested it. And please remember to support the program. Uh, we'll have another episode on Thursday. Dvorak.org slash N. Jobs, 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 and jobs. Let's vote for jobs. You've got karma. And today is the 21st of April 2019. Here's a look at our birthdays on the list. We have Lee in Omaha. He turns 42 on the 23rd, getting it in nice and early. Jane Owsley says happy birthday to her smoking hot hubby, Brett Owsley. He'll be, he turns 49 today. Congratulations. Sir Benjamin Rickers, 43 tomorrow. And Sir Nick says happy birthday to his smoking hot Mary Cordero. We couldn't agree more. Happy birthday for everybody here at the best podcast in the universe. Now we have a kind of combo combo title change, but we're going to take this opportunity to try and rectify the karma for Sir William Durkin. So, uh, John, why don't you... Uh you yeah, get, I got it. Yeah, you got This is the, the third time a night. All right. Let's, for the third time, William Durkin, please step forward. You have a seat at the round table. We're now going to make an official spot as Baronet. And we are very proud to pronounce the KV for the third time. Sir William Durkin, now Baronet of the No Agenda Round Table. For you, we have, well, look, we have Meatballs of Manhattans. We got um, chilled po- Polish potato vodka, waifus and waffles, Dr. Pepper and a quick handy, Captain Morgans and women with questionable reputations, breast milk and pablum, organic macaroni and plasticizers, bleer and blunts, bong hits and bourbon, sparkling cider and escorts, ginger ale and gerbils, and of course, mutton and meat. I don't have to tell you to go to noagendanation.com slash rings because you already are a knight. Uh, let us know if the karma... Uh, correct. If you if you receive a karma correction, <laughs> hopefully. Um, All right, I got a couple clips here. Yeah, I, I got a couple things. How about this one? Egypt election now makes you wonder. Egyptians went to the polls today to vote on a constitutional amendment that would allow President Abdel Fattah el-Sisi to hold power until 2030. Another amendment on the ballot would broaden the military's power, a move that critics see as a step toward authoritarian rule. El-Sisi's government has arrested thousands in recent years and has rolled back freedoms won in the 2011 pro-democracy Arab Spring uprising. Voting is scheduled to continue through Monday. Hmm. So much for that. All right. Let me try this on you. Porgy and Bess, the Gershwin masterpiece, is a love story set in a fictional, poor black neighborhood in the American South. In this song, Porgy declares his love for Bess, who's being shunned by the rest of the community. When the opera premiered in 1935, it was groundbreaking because it was written for and performed by an all-black cast. And in fact, the Gershwin estate requires that all performances of Porgy and Bess star all-black singers. Now enter the Hungarian State Opera, which is reviving Porgy and Bess for a limited run this week. The opera's general director is a guy named Sylvester Okovac. 
an ally of Hungary's far-right anti-immigrant prime minister Viktor Orban. What could possibly go wrong? Well, for one, Okovac hired a white cast, and then to get around the casting stipulation, he asked the performers to sign an affidavit saying they self-identify as African American, and more than half the cast signed. <laughs> <laughs> Way to go, Austria! <laughs> hey, you know, if you're going to play this self-identifying bullcrap, you might as well do it right. You might as well go all the way. I think that the woman who, of course, is the postmodern example is that Dolan woman who was yes, fake uh, being black. She wore makeup. She wore blackface essentially. Yes, yes. Well, she self-identified was, as black. She and was, the it was president of an NAACP chapter, wasn't she? Yeah, right up there in North sure. Washington. Or I'm somewhere. cool with that. I'm cool. I, I think this. I just think that's very funny. Well, here's one for you. I've just picked up a couple of random clips. That's, you know. By the way, that's a winner. <laughs> yes. Gretna Fire and Rescue rushes to help a 59-year-old man with a racing heart at work. He does not have a history of heart problems. En route Lakeside, one male patient, code two. The squad has a 20-minute drive ahead to the emergency room. At one point, the patient's heart rate is 200 beats per minute. During the seven-mile ride from 140th and I-80 to Lakeside Hospital, something happened that isn't covered in the treatment plan. Potholes. The driver apparently hit a monster-sized one because medics told the hospital, as relayed by Omaha Scanner on Twitter, the jolt of the pothole converted the patient's racing heart to normal rhythms. It's rare, but it's a well-described phenomenon. One oh. way to treat that is with an electrical shock. Classically, you'll see on television, the paddles clear and the big jolt. Turns out you can do that with a pothole. <laughs> Just so you know, John, in case you have AFib or something like that, just get just in the car. take a short drive down the eighty. Yeah, you don't. You might have to go quarter mile, and you're already good. You'd probably be fixed. Oh and, yeah, it won't take even that long. I, the, the road down here, jacuzzi, has got potholes all over the place. In a similar medical topic, I've always been quite fascinated by Adderall and Vyvanse, and you know, how this is treating uh, ADHD or even uh, uh, other forms of uh, yeah, youthful... Yeah, firing kids with amphetamines. Yes, for some reason the amphetamine works, and they certainly get be- better grades. I've seen fabulous grades from uh, this uh, ADD and ADHD medication. Um, but it doesn't work for everybody, sadly, and you know, kids need help. Luckily, there's help right around the corner. The FDA has approved the first medical device designed to treat children with ADHD. It's about the size of a cell phone, and it sends a low-level electrical pulse to the brain through a patch placed on the child's forehead. In clinical trials, it took about four weeks for the results to kick in, and children showed statistically significant improvement. The FDA says that the device should only be used on children who are not being treated with medication. We may- <laughs> Isn't that special? <laughs> Hey, Kate, let me fix your ADHD. <laughs> now you can just tase well, your kid. The, I hope the patch on the forehead is decorative. <laughs> I mean, electroshock, it just seems so outdated. You know, well, I, I, you know, prediction, the lobotomy is going to make a comeback. Well, At this point, you, we can just predict this stuff. Uh, I agree.
Let's play this uh, since we need to know this is very important since we're talking about health issues. There's a flu season going on, continuing, of course. The flu season is still going at 21 weeks and counting. That makes it the longest since the government started tracking this more than a decade ago. A new strain that emerged in February started causing more illnesses. The CDC estimates there have been up to 57,000 flu-related deaths this season. <sighs> so 57,000 dead. Flu-related flu deaths. Yeah, related. Yeah, which means pneumonia, typically. Pneumonia, usually. Yeah. But I wonder if the new strain is covered in the, in the vaccine. They never really make that clear. It could be just an, another strain. We had that happen in California, I think it was a, during our show era, which is probably about six years ago. They had a flu. Everyone got shot. And then there was some flu called California flu showed up at the end of the season, and everyone got sick, all the people that had the right, shot. Right, 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 right. So that was uh, my approach somewhat different. Keep couple, Tamiflu on hand, people. I had a couple of clips of the elites of the world. I probably should start with this one. Where in the world is Victoria Kagan Noodleman? Hey! That's right, Vicky Noodleman. She went, uh, where did she go again? She was at a big thick tank and then she left after a year and all of a sudden she, uh, she was just off the radar, but she's back. We are thrilled that Toria is back, said Jim O'Brien, vice chair and European practice lead of the Albright Stonebridge Group. She's going in big time. This is the Madeleine Albright uh, exit strategy. This huh. is this is a big international group. This is no yeah, joke. This probably is, gets paid a fortune. This too. is yeah. This is serious stuff. Let me see. What is she going to be doing? Uh, well, she, I guess she's going to be at the Europe practice. What the hell? Why would she be there? Well, maybe going to overthrow the Europe. Maybe. Well, she does. She says after EU. Yes, I was. So just she's gonna, an expert. I was just going to say we should probably remind everybody who she is. Clintons are still on their uh, listening tour, which uh, I think is poorly attended, although I have no actual attendance records. Uh, this, this went around on the social media. Uh, some guy got so bored with listening to uh, the Clintons talking that he had his own questions that he shouted from right on the side of the stage because he did it on his, uh, on his cell phone. And, uh, Bill, this is boring. Why don't you talk about Jeffrey Epstein? I want to know about you and Jeffrey Epstein. Talk about... No, no, you... <laughs> Jeffrey Epstein, flying on the Lolita Express. <laughs> Lolita Express, you pedo. <laughs> oh, that's too funny. Wow. Yeah, I can't. We need to know more about that. We need to know about Trump on the pedo express. We need about no, the we're Clintons. Find out nothing. We need to know about the, the lawyer Dershowitz. I know we're not going to find out. We a, need to find out this. We need. We're going to find out. We're going to find out nothing. Yeah, you're right. Uh, I got it. This is kind of interesting because this opens the gates to all kinds of hell. Okay. 
This is the EPA getting sued for good reason. A federal judge in Flint, Michigan, has ruled that residents there can sue the Environmental Protection Agency for contamination of the city's water supply that began in 2014 and continued for years. In her ruling on Thursday, Judge Linda Parker said EPA employees knew lead was leaching from old pipes and knew that Michigan regulators were misleading residents. Nearly 5,000 residents joined suits against the federal government, alleging EPA officials and employees, quote, negligently responded to the water crisis. The federal government tried to have the cases dismissed. Hmm. This is a big deal. Uh, How so? Well, because they start suing the EPA over some of these local things like that. Uh, for having knowledge and then refusing to do anything about it because they were preoccupied with global warming. They didn't <laughs> care about busy. water issues. Too busy. Yeah. That's going to change the way the, the but how how acts. is the how is the EPA directly responsible versus states themselves? Negligence. They uh, if they hadn't known anything about it, mm-hmm. it would be different. But apparently, they there's evidence that they knew about it okay. and didn't do anything. Right. They yeah. they have they have jurish jurisdiction over the state and regional agencies. Okay, okay. And and the state, you know, they are in the case around here. We have the Air Resources Board in, in Sacramento, and then we have the local agencies and and the EPA and the EPA. Is really the well. That's your Supreme old stomping Court. grounds, isn't it? Didn't you? Uh, yeah, absolutely. For the California EPA. Now, the way I learned is that every every layer you go up, they're dumber. <laughs> Very strange. Okay, True. so so you're uniquely qualified. <laughs> uniquely qualified to tell me what the next step would be with with this. If the you know the, if the EPA and did knew about this and did nothing and withheld it. Well, the next step is they're going to get sued for like a billion dollars kind of damages we're talking about. It's going to be a nightmare, and it's all it's all on Obama's head. It's his boys. It's that woman, that crazy Irish woman that was running the place and more preoccupied. Oh my with God! Who global was warming? That's right. Who? And is it from Obama's days? Yeah, that's when the the poisoning took place. Who was that again? What was her name? McCartney or some McCarthy. Yes, wasn't she the, she had the really heavy Boston accent? Yeah, yeah. Yes, here we go. Gina Gina McCarthy, here we go. What steps should we be taking? I'm joined by the nation's administrator for the Environmental Protection Agency, Gina McCarthy. Uh, Very good to have you with us. First of all, the, the key points of this report, as far as you're concerned, as far as science is concerned, they're not disputable, correct? That's correct. Uh, This is a clear indication that we're already today facing the impacts from climate. It's not just about future projections anymore. You're right. Let's imagine for for a moment. You're right. She was upset. Now I remember she was obsessed with climate change and was doing nothing else but climate change. Yeah. This is, uh, what else do we have here? Oh, these. Common sense. As we continue our efforts to, to address uh, improved air quality, we must also, as the president has made clear, take steps to address climate change. <laughs> every single clip we have of her. Every clip of her will be about climate change. It's like, yeah, air is hey, important. but poisoned in Detroit. Climate change. <laughs> it's amazing when you just play some stuff that, that we've played in the past. Let me see when that clip was originally. It's from 2013. Yeah, it's gosh, we've been doing this a long time. 
right. Yeah. Okay. Let's do one more, and then uh, we'll do our nice Easter uh, end-of-show mixes. We have some good ones from... Uh, oh, we have uh, the, the Fletcher with Carolyn Blaney, Sir Chris Wilson, Cyborg Dave, and Tom Starkweather. We've got uh, a promo from Horowitz. <laughs> or is it a promo? <laughs> okay. We got some uh, some ditty here from Dominique Sweeney and Sir Seat Sitter. It's jam-packed. So. Well, okay. I want to play this clip. I've been me- me- meaning to play it. It's a very horrible situation happening to Haitians who were born and raised in Dominican Republic. They're being th- tossed out. And it brings the brings the point. One of the great things about our constitution is our ex post facto laws, which I've been reading from the. What what, what is that? What is an ex post? And people fa- should look at ex post facto. Can you can you give us a brief? Yes, an ex post facto, which is illegal. An ex post facto law is one where, like for example, let's say uh, you get arrested for uh, throwing a cigarette butt down on the ground, right? And the cops say, "Well, we can't really charge him with anything." Because we can't find any laws that say it's illegal for him to do that. And so, okay, well, we'll pass a law, and now you can charge him. So you pass a law that Ah, retroactively charges you. I got it. It's totally illegal in this country, in state, any level whatsoever, to pull that stunt. You can pass a law that takes takes the onus off of you. You know, in other words, you legalize something, and so you legalize marijuana, and you, t- you let people leave prison. You don't have to, but you you should. So, so but, it, do, it does work in that direction, obviously. Yeah, it works not in, in the one other direction, direction, but not the other. So you can't all of a sudden pass a bunch of crazy laws, ille- making what you did yesterday illegal. I'm guessing this is different in the Dominican Republic. Apparently, there's another border story playing out in our hemisphere on the Caribbean island of Hispaniola. The Dominican Republic and Haiti sit side by side, yet have a complex and fraught history. During the 20th century, hundreds of thousands of Haitians crossed into the wealthier Dominican Republic to escape poverty and political instability, only to face color-based racism and, at times, violent repression. Recently, in what international human rights organizations took to be a swipe at those with Haitian roots, the Dominican government made headlines when it ended birthright citizenship for children born in the Dominican Republic to undocumented parents. News Hour Weekend's Yvette Feliciano has more as part of our ongoing series on Haiti. January in the Dominican Republic city of Himani, near the main border crossing into Haiti. Earlier in the day, 34-year-old Jesus Lom Exilaire says he was detained. Exilaire, a Baptist pastor, says he was unjustly held by Dominican immigration authorities for six hours. They come and ask me, hey you, black guy, where are your documents? I took them out and they said, get on the truck. And while we drove, I asked, what is the problem here? I have my documents. And they said they had to verify. Exilaire was born in the Dominican Republic to Haitian migrants, and he is a legal resident here. But he is not a Dominican citizen, and he cannot vote. That's because, according to the Dominican government, his Haitian heritage makes Exilaire a foreigner in the country of his birth. They call you illegal. They say you are not from here. You are Haitian. Go to your country. Most of us don't even know Haiti. We don't know anyone there. It used to be that, with few exceptions, being born in the DR made you a citizen. But constitutional and legal revisions that took full effect in 2014 changed all that. Under the new law, 
Many Dominicans born to undocumented parents between 1929 and 2007 would lose their citizenship. So would their children, their children's children, and on and on. The Dominican government has no estimate of the total number of people affected. But human rights groups estimate hundreds of thousands suddenly lost their citizenship. Huh. Yeah, give the Dominican Republic a nice douchebag. You know, <laughs> oh, I wasn't prepared for that. I was thinking about, uh, hold on, I'm giving the douchebag. Uh, where's the big douchebag? Oh, you want the big douchebag. Douchebag. There's a, there's a long, uh, I'll, I'm putting this together, it'll maybe take a week or two. There's a group of elites who are buying up islands. And, you know, you can, obviously the Clintons are involved. Uh, but other names, well, Branson, but they, they called, I think, the 12 Island Challenge and Haiti and the Dominican Republic. It's all a part of it and this weird crap going on. Um, hopefully, I'll find some clips to be able to uh, explain a little bit more. But you know, it's either the 10 Country Challenge or 12 Country Caribbean Challenge. You can look it up. Um, this Something's going on there that is beyond the pale. So there's more than normal. Mueller! <laughs> that just came in, I bet. Yeah, Fletcher's like, nah, not only one, I got two. Mueller! No, I think it's got to be Mueller. Yeah. Yeah, Mueller's the way to go. Thanks, Fletch. Let's hear, it. Let's hear it at the end of the show. Okay. Oh, yes, perfect. And that is it for uh, the program uh, for today. Thanks, everybody, who uh, is here live during your uh, Easter celebration. That's highly appreciated. Also, thank you to all the producers who uh, helped bring in the finances for today's program. And, of course, all the jingles, all the information, the art, and often pre-done clips. It is highly appreciated. And I'm coming to you from the Chicken Coop Studios on the frontier of Austin, Texas. I still got to work on my ending now that it's completely changed. But I look forward to uh, our next show. We'll be on Thursday. Please remember us until then at Dvorak.org slash NA. In the morning, everybody, I'm Adam Curry. And from Northern Silicon Valley, I'm John C. Dvorak. We return on Thursday right here on No Agenda. Until then, adios, mofos! And such...
The Parisienne is reporting that a fire alarm went off here at Notre Dame Cathedral shortly after 6 p.m. on Monday. But a computer bug showed the fire's location in the wrong place. The paper is also reporting the flames may have started at the bottom of the spire and may have been caused by an electrical problem in an elevator. Have to pay Reichstag burning down, kick the Jews out of town. Go for talking, bay of pigs, build a pipeline with me. Iraq, Afghanistan, a part of the master plan. Things are looking good. Operation Northwoods, Monsanto, Raytheon, Lockheed Martin, Enron, Syria, Yemen. Here we go again. Chemical attack facade, gotta go attack facade. We didn't start fire, but we know who did, and we need to invade them. We did not fire. We got confused all the fake news. Don't listen to the haters, there's babies in incubators George Bush, 9-11, Dick Cheney, Halliburton Fear of the Osiris board, Toros and Hillary They got male pipe bombs, they were fake but still wrong Republicans, Democrats, Jesse Small at MAGA hats Drone strikes, yellow vests, Julian Assange arrest Gotta maintain control, the terrorists on payroll Napalm, Vietnam, roof on fire, Notre Dame Feed is on fire you can listen to Adam Curry and John C. Dvorak on the No Agenda Show each Thursday and Sunday at 12 sharp in the afternoon. It's uh, Eastern time. time where you'll get your fill of everything that you need to know about. They get down deep and dirty. They talk about it, just deconstruct it, pull it apart, put it back together. And by the time it's done, you really understand what is actually going on rather than what is said to be going on. It's really good. It's entertaining. Uh, not to mention the, all the clips and the jingles and the artwork and all the good stuff that they do. care what you say about old President Trump. He may act stupid, but I says he ain't no chump. He got one thing going in his defense. Y'all ain't gonna do nothing, cause no one here wants pence. The best podcast in the universe. Slash N-A Mueller!